sure staff is ready when you are. Thank you. Good evening. Welcome to the October 5th, 2023 Parks and Community Enrichment Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Ford? Absent. Commissioner? Uh, present. Oh, sorry. Present. Uh, Commissioner Liu? Absent. Commissioner Robbins? Present. Commissioner Herman? Present. Commissioner King? Present. Commissioner Flores? Present. Commissioner Gaines will be late tonight. Commissioner Galerdo Good? Absent. Commissioner Kangas? Here. Commissioner Boone? Be absent. And Chair Vasquez? Present. And I do have some uh, notifications that we'll have a couple of late commissioners on their way. Oh, he'll be late. Rita Garrett Good is present. Commissioner Boone, Lou. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, as we have a new meeting time tonight, we have a couple of commissioners still on their way outside in traffic that we expect in just a moment. We have quorum, thank you. Thank you. I'd like to remind the members of the public in chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. And as this is a special meeting, we will not have public comment at the end. You'll need to make your comment during the agenda item. You'll have two minutes to speak once you're called on. And after the first speaker, we will no longer accept slips and we'll now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise for the opening acknowledgement acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisanon people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwin, Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's histories, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. You may be seated. Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speakers slips for this item.
Thank you. Are there any commissioners who would like to speak on the consent calendar? Great. Um, is there a motion uh, to pass the consent calendar? To approve it? Thank you. Is there a second? Second. Thank you. I have a motion by Commissioner Gallardo Good and a second by Commissioner Herman. Uh, all in favor say aye. 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 All opposed? Any abstentions? Wonderful. Thank you. Motion passes. And we'll now proceed to the discussion calendar. Item number two is Aquatics and Camp Sacramento program updates. Is there a staff presentation? Good evening. My name is Anthony Munoz, Recreation Manager with the Community Enrichment Division. Uh, tonight, I'm here to introduce our Aquatics and Camp Sacramento staff. Uh, we have Sean Swanson, Recreation Superintendent. We have uh, Patrick Maradon, our Aquatic Supervisor, and Thomas Dementa, our Camp uh, Manager at Camp Sacramento. So tonight, they'll be giving updates on their 2023 programs and services. Thank you, Anthony. Good evening, Commission. Um, as Anthony mentioned, we will be giving an overview of our 2023 summer, uh, both for camp and aquatics. We're going to start with our aquatic section. Uh, we operated this summer 11 neighborhood pools, one regional aquatics complex, four standalone wading pools um, throughout the Sacramento, uh, the city of Sacramento, and many different areas. Um, between all these, we offered programs seven days a week, um, including water safety programs, swim lessons, lap swim, important health and safety uh, aspects of, for the community. Uh, it's a heavy lift for the team to do this, um, and recruiting and hiring has been a challenge, uh, particularly with the ongoing and second year of the national lifeguard shortage. Um, Aquatics did have to adapt um, and took some strategies to be proactive to be ahead of it as best we could. Uh, these strategies included one, um, when we're forecasting a shortfall of about 45 senior lifeguards, adding additional lifeguard positions to help fill that void, and then also lowering the age that we hire lifeguards at to 15. Um, and these were very helpful and did enable us to open the pools, um, um, most of the pools being open five or more days a week. Uh, we still did fall a little bit short on what our actual staffing targets are, but we hired more lifeguards and more aquatic certified staff than we have, at least in my seven years, 10 years, and probably um, even longer than that. Um, the efforts included 24 in-person recruitment events, primarily at high schools, ranging from Burbank in the south area all the way through McClatchy, up through Twin Rivers Unified School District, Hiram Johnston, um, Intercom, and everywhere in between. Uh, additionally, we did five virtual recruitment events. We conducted 17 lifeguard certification classes and certified 225 lifeguards this year. Uh, last year, we were recognized as one of Northern California's largest Red Cross certification providers. This year, we certified even more lifeguards and expect a similar recognition. I'm going to turn over the presentation on aquatics to Patrick Maradon, aquatics super recreation supervisor. 
Thank you. So I'm going to go over some of our numbers from this past season. Uh, we generally go off of a three-year trend. So to start us off tonight, um, these are our recreation swim numbers. Our recreation swim is um, kind of that open swim. Families can come. It's no structure behind the programming. These are our three-year trends. Uh, this summer, we did just over 100,000 participants across all of our pools. And please note that with the numbers that you're being presented tonight, um, we do offer extended season at our Clooney pool as well as our North Thomas pool. So some of these program numbers will actually increase when we do our final numbers for the 2023 year. And we expect them to be very similar, even a little bit more. So you will notice that um, throughout some of our different programs that this just because the numbers haven't been finalized yet. And this is actually a breakdown by pool of that same rec swim attendance. Obviously, as you can see, um, our hub pools like Meadowview and Clooney, as well as our regional aquatic center in North Atomas, have a big bulk of the uh, attendance. It's great because our Meadowview is down in our south area. We have our Clooney pool hub kind of in that central, and then, of course, Natomas in the north, but it does serve you know, the entire area, the entire region. Um, and again, this is kind of a breakdown of our community pools um, as well in their attendance. And then we have our standalone waiting pools, and these are free to use. Um, and these numbers are actually um, in that 100,000. Um, they're part of that RecSwim number, but this is a breakdown by site of those four sites as well. These are our trends for swim lessons. We're really, really excited that in 2023, we did the most swim lessons ever for the city of Sacramento. And on top of this, this does fall into that we continue doing those extended season swim lessons. So again, this number will raise up. Uh, our swim lesson offerings are basic water safety, which is a free program um, across multiple sites. Our group lessons, which are for adults and youth and teens, um, as well as our junior lifeguard program as well. So this is kind of like a snapshot of everything that rolls into these uh, swim lessons numbers. We have our water aerobics and our last swim attendance as well, um, again, offered in our extended season. Uh, a couple highlights here. We did uh, offer deep water aerobics this year for the first time um, at North Atomas as a, as a pilot program in some of the areas that we have deeper water. Um, and we added some drop-in um, water aerobics classes at Simple. And it's something that we always look at for our team of where can we add new types of programs or offer more programs always staff dependent, but it's always our first goal is what can we do? And sometimes we choose different sites just as a pilot site, and then we'll just try it at other areas and see what sticks as well. But they were super successful. And then as well as our lap swim, um, again, we expect those numbers to be very similar for 2023. Um, we also offer scholarships and reimbursement. Um, so in total, and I'll break down kind of what each are, but in total, we did just shy of $40,000 in scholarships and reimbursements, uh, roughly about 30000 last year. So this was about a $10,000 increase. Um, so with our lifeguard scholarships, uh, that's for people that take our classes, end up working for us. We reimburse them a portion of um, their, excuse me, for our staff reimbursement, we, we um, reimburse them a portion of that lifeguard certification fee, whereas our lifeguard scholarships, those can be completely fully paid for lifeguard classes for anybody that just provides us with financial assistance or a financial need. They submit it, and then that's where um, those 28 lifeguards came from. So we fully paid for their certification class. The 41 staff are people that, work, that attended them, paid, and then since they work for us, we reimburse them for that. Um, our basic water safety class, again, that's a free swim lesson. Um, that, so that's kind of our breakdown of numbers. It's about $2,000 in free swim lessons for that program. Um, we also partake in the city summer reading program in conjunction with the libraries. Um, 
Again, if you don't know much about it, um, adults and youth can read a, a specific amount of books, and one of the options is they can get a free rec swim passes to our pools. So this summer, we gave out over 3,000 um, rec swim passes for youth and adults, totaling about $14,000 in um, what would have been rec swim revenue. Um, so it turned out to be great, uh, really great program. That's really expanded with North Atomas as well. And then lastly, our Swim Safe Scholarship, that's a program scholarship. So if you need to take one of our group swim lessons because maybe you can't get into the free lessons or it's more accessible to you, um, again, if you show any financial need, um, we'll take a look at that and we can provide you up to fully, um, fully free or 100% scholarship for any of our youth programs, that's Junior Lifeguard and Swim Lessons as well. So it's a really great thing. We've continued to increase that, um, and it's an integral part of what we do uh, for the community. We also hosted a USA Swim Meet at North Thomas this year. This was a really large meet. It's called the Futures Meet. Uh, we hosted in conjunction with DART, our uh, competitive swim team that uses our North Thomas Aquatic Center. Um, this is, um, again, this was a regional or kind of a uh, West Coast swim meet. We had teams from Alaska, multiple states that flew in. Um, really fast meet, a lot of fast swimmers, some with times that qualified them for Olympics, Olymp Olympic trials. So that's really, really exciting to have that level of swimmer um, use our facility. And then we also recognize the large economic impact that it provided to the, not just the Natomas area, but to the city as well, with all these teams flying in, using restaurants, hotels. So really, really great. Um, we are already scheduled to have them again next year, and as well as kind of show what we can do from a swim meet standpoint. Um, our master's groups, our synchro groups, some of our other user groups are already interested in hosting um, large-scale uh, swim meets as well. So we're really excited to have that um, as another, another opportunity for the city. The aquatics team is also responsible for the operations of the North Natomas Community Center. Um, and in a 12-month look back, that center hosted 57 events. It's been a real asset for the community. Um, those are events ranging from everything from wedding receptions, celebrations of life, to also large community serving events such as the Jive Bike Exchange. We've had some in, in, um, uh, Indian cultural events and more at it. So it has been a really quite, quite an amenity for the community. Um, additionally, that center does qualify for fee waivers. Um, and in the 12-month look back, we waived 1,400 or $14,000 worth of fees for um, qualifying organizations. We've also been running leisure enrichment classes both in the facility itself and also some of the classroom spaces adjacent to it off of the pool site. Um, and then YPSI is also offering um, free community programming. We had our first one last, um, last week with a bingo night in North Natomas um, and it was quite a successful event and it was a lot of fun. Um, Aquatics has a couple of special events coming up. We're hosting our floating pumpkin patch at two different pools, um, one at North Natomas, October 21st, and then the following weekend at Meadowview in the south area on October 28th. And then our final special event before the winter, we'll also be hosting doggy dip days at the Meadowview pool um, for the weekend of uh, November 4th and 5th, where we basically turn the pool into a doggy dog park for the weekend. Um, and we hope to see some of our commissioners there. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to the staff. Um, it takes a lot of dedicated, hardworking staff to run such a, such a large program on there. Um, from the hard work from the aquatics supervisors, the full-time aquatics coordinators that we do have year round to do this, but also to the 200, 250 plus youth that we have working in our department um, that are the ones out at the pools delivering the service and making it happen. Um, it's great to be hiring youth and helping you know, enable them, but it's also a real asset to us. 
Um, with that, I'm going to turn over the presentation to Thomas Meta, Camp Manager, where he'll give an update on Camp Sacramento. Good evening. Uh, my name is Thomas Semera. As, uh, um, as Sean has mentioned, uh, I'm a camp manager at Camp Sacramento. Uh, camp Sacramento has been uh, run and operated by the city of Sacramento since uh, 1920. So over uh, 100 years, we've been up in the mountains. Um, and uh, camp sits on about 16 acres of uh, forest service land um, up in Eldorado uh, National Forest, close to South Lake Tahoe. Um, Camp Sacramento offers uh, 61 different size cabins up for rentals for, um, for families, uh, for our family camp, for our group rentals. Um, and uh, um, out, of, you know, uh, out of the year, we operate about six months. Um, our family camp runs from uh, uh, late June through early August, um, and it has uh, eight mini sessions that are half week long for families to come up and enjoy camp. Um, and we run three week long sessions as well um, that are week long. Um, for the rest of the, uh, the season, we are on group rentals uh, for, the, uh, for the remainder of the August and the month of September. Um, and at this time, we are about uh, to close down as snows are coming in uh, in, a, in, a, in, a short, in a short time. Um, the camp... Hello? Hello? There we go. Uh, the camp uh, season 2023 um, marked the return to full, uh, full operations um, uh, since the 2019, since pre-COVID numbers. Um, you know, we, uh, we had uh, all cabins were full. Um, every, you know, everybody was enjoying camp. Um, and uh, every, as every year, as every season, we have uh, a special theme. Uh, Western Frontier was this, uh, this year's theme uh, that was uh, thoroughly enjoyed by all the campers and added a nice twist um, to, you know, to everything that we did, um, we did at camp. With uh, full-size operations, or full-scale operations, um, all, as, I, as I mentioned, all cabins, all available cabins were booked this season with a wait list for all sessions. Um, our traditional uh, programming um, uh, continued, um, offering uh, 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 activities and programs for all ages at camp, started with age of three. Um, and uh, it, it offered uh, archery, uh, uh, tie-dye crafts, uh, hikes, and a lot of other outdoor, um, outdoor activities, along with some, um, some opportunities for environmental education that was uh, focused this year on uh, microplastics and, uh, uh, and uh, their um, effect on the environment. Um, we continue to offer specialty programs for adults as well. The um, painted sip parties were very popular, um, <laughs> uh, candle making um, and uh, special events like socials and uh, um, family bingos, uh, family Dutch auctions and things, uh, things like that were enjoyed thoroughly by all our campers. Um, just like aquatics uh, and the many other uh, the, you know, divisions uh, uh, in the city, especially with the seasonal pro, um, staffing, uh, staffing was a challenge uh, once again this year. Not as badly um, or not as, as challenging as previous years, but uh, still a challenge. Um, and uh, uh, we continue to work on uh, different solutions, and that's primarily due to uh, nature of the job, uh, the pay scales, you know, hiring process, and things like that to kind of um, um, affect all of that. Um, Another challenge um, and continuous challenge for camp, camp is old and uh, um, our facilities are, are old. Um, so maintaining them, um, improving them, fixing them uh, has been a challenge, especially with the winters that are um, a, little, a little tough um, a lot of times. And uh, so um, that being said, however, the, uh, we had um, you know, uh, made some, some pretty good uh, 
progress this year, with, uh, thanks to, um, to a few departments from uh, the other departments from the city, the facilities came up and fixed a couple of cabins, um, brought them back online that were offline for the, uh, for the past couple of years, repainted our dining hall, um, and uh, uh, continued with the other um, small, smaller projects. Parks department came up, helped us, uh, uh, helped us after you know, 10, 15 feet of snow, um, get us ready for, uh, for camp. So um, thanks, to, thanks to those guys, we were able to operate and offer uh, quality experience for all our campers. Um, in terms of numbers, uh, this year, um, uh, and I, I see a typo over there, um, over 2,600 campers were served at camp um, through, all our, um, through all our family camp and post-season or rental groups as well. Um, over, overall, over 500 families were served, um, over 1,200 children uh, and youth. Uh, about 70% of all our campers uh, are, are city residents. Um, and uh, also, um, I was uh, really happy to, to be able to continue our scholarship opportunities uh, that were on pause since 2019 um, in, in cooperation with, uh, with a nonprofit uh, that we work with, uh, Friends of Camp Sacramento. Overall, um, this was a very successful season, I think. Um, about 95% uh, of all our campers rebooked their cabins for the next year. Um, so, and as stands right now, we are fully booked for 2024 uh, with all our cabins with uh, wait lists already uh, mounting up in all of them. Um, and uh, as we pack the camp down and board our buildings and uh, get ready for the snow, we're starting to look uh, for, uh, for the next year. Um, and uh, of course, facilities are, will be continuous, uh, uh, continuous challenge and continuous, uh, continuous effort to maintain them and prove them, make them, uh, make them better as we go along. Um, along with further uh, program enhancements and additions to, uh, to different age groups, and of course, uh, finding different solutions for our uh, staffing challenges. That concludes the wrap, uh, the, the kind of the, uh, the overview of Camp Sacramento for this, uh, for this season, and uh, thank you. Thank you. Are there any members of the public who would wish to speak on this item, clerk? Thank you, chair. I have no speaker slips for this set. Uh, if you want to come forward and fill out a speaker slip, you can speak, yes. We will have one speaker slip for this Thank item. Thank you. And just to uh, remind anyone who's come in after uh, the directions in the beginning, if you'd like to speak on any item on the agenda, please do fill out a speaker slip here at the front. Um, and e-comments will be open throughout the meeting. So um, this is very um, interesting to me. I grew up in the city. Um, in San Francisco, around um, brick, steel, and very seldom did we get a chance to experience something like this. And 
when I was a teenager, um, my dad used to take us to the Golden Gate Park, let us run around and play with the horses and stuff. And then he bought a little quarter of an acre up near Katadi. I don't know if anyone knows where Katadi is, up near Santa Rosa. And so I have fond memories of that and how it impacted me as a, as a child. But a lot of my friends in the neighborhood never got a chance to venture out. Never got a chance to venture out. And so um, about 10 years ago, I bought a little small ranchette down in uh, Lodi. And I started bringing children up you know, from the city and let them play with the horses and with the sheep and with the little chicks and stuff. you know. So I just walked in. But um, when I saw this, uh, the question popped into my mind. Um, so what's the demographics of the uh, uh, citizens that you serve? Do you have like many, uh, uh, you know, like in the city youth, or is that an area that you're trying to grow? Or would you mind um, asking your question in the mic so oh. people at home can hear I'm you sorry. too? I'm sorry. I know it's awkward because they're standing behind you, but uh, no problem. The mic, no problem. My question was um, about the demographics of the group that's you know, the groups that's being served. I remember going to a lot of camping trips and stuff, and I didn't hardly see anyone like me, and so I'm just curious about that. Yeah, so that's basically it. Wonderful, thank you. Jeff, would you like to respond? Absolutely, great question. Um, the, uh, the camp's been around since, uh, you know, since 1920, so through the, uh, through the, the, the course of camp, uh, there's certain pockets in the city, of course, that, uh, that it, you know, there's, uh, there's more represented than others. Uh, at the same time, we've done um, a lot of different programming th uh, with the different groups that brought different uh, um, demographics um, up to camp. And we continue to work on the different programs to include more and more opportunities uh, for, uh, for, the, uh, for the citizens and, uh, uh, and city residents to come up and enjoy camp. Um, so as we go through, we will uh, we will continue to pushing in and working with LNL uh, uh, crews that are already coming up to camp and uh, and, and enjoy camp. Uh, we've done day camps um, that uh, community centers bring their youth and children for the day uh, to camp and so on, just to uh, to experience the mountains, to experience the camp, um, and enjoy some of the programming. Um, so um, there is in our family camp uh, tends to be scattered all over the city. Um, but as we go forward, we'll, we'll continue to work through and add number of different opportunities for different groups to come and utilize uh, Camp Sacramento as a city facility. Can I? Just a quick, okay, yeah, just a quick response. Yeah. Uh, so it sounded to me like maybe, um, Maybe you might be challenged in certain areas. You know, sometimes we have the illusion of inclusion. And so I'm just going to take your response to me that maybe there's some challenges. And if so, I'd be more than willing to help out with your outreach. Thank you. Director Beecham. Thank you. Our staff can actually meet you after the presentation to get your contact information. We'd love to connect with you. Thank you. Do we have any commissioners who would like to speak on this item? I'm going to start with Commissioner Herman. Thank you, Chair. Um, my question, uh, my first question, well, first I should say thank you for all that you do, those very impressive numbers, strong uh, throughout on the attendance. Um, 
and I saw that you had a graphic on pool attendance by pool. Um, I was wondering if we could get the same type of thing you did for the others where it was a three-year to see which ones are gaining in attendance and which ones might be losing attendance and might need some sort of attention in terms of getting the word out of, about the programs there or about the facilities. Maybe they need improvement and people aren't going there because of that reason, but perhaps we can get some sort of um, graphic that shows the year-over-year uh, -year, um, attendance for each pool. Yes, thank you, and uh, good data points to look at. Uh, we do track those numbers and have all that information available. Um, we can certainly follow up with a, a graphic of it at the three-year look back at each one of those locations. Great, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Boone. Yes, thank you for the presentation. Um, I especially liked the library's uh, effort to increase people read or kids reading. Um, I was curious for the the pools that don't have a library nearby. How does that work? Like like McClatchy, for instance. How does how does that work? Um, the any of the libraries in Sacramento County are provided with the passes. Okay. Um, and so any library that you go to, you can use those. And then we made the passes such that you can redeem them at any one of the city's pools. So it's not specific to like the library closest to you. You have to go to the pool near you. So you know if you want to go to the North Natomas pool, which you know generally would have an admission cost that's more, those summer reading passes are good at that location as well. Perfect. Okay. And then I had one more comment, and it was similar to the gentleman who spoke. Um, about the attendance, and I noticed the 95% rebooking rate, and so I'm just curious, is there a, a designation for booking that's not just about like recruitment and outreach, but that we are gonna like intentionally set aside a percentage of cabins? There is? Okay, and what is that percentage? Up to 10% usually. Um, I try set to aside set aside um, for scholarship opportunities um, and other. So we tried to, as cabins get released, we tried to keep pushing them, pulling them away so uh, the public is, uh, or current campers can only rebook their cabins. They can just start taking more and more. Okay. And more. So, so we, we are trying to, to have a pool of cabins that is available outside of just, you know, people who've been coming to camp for 100 yeah, years. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome. I just wanted to confirm that there was like an intentional uh, initiative. Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Kangas. Um, this presentation was awesome. This stuff is so near and dear to my heart, especially Camp Sacramento. Spent a lot of time there. Um, the work you're doing is phenomenal and with the pools and everything as well. Um, so take that, what I'm gonna say next, not as a dig, but as a suggestion. Uh, when you talked about the theme of Western Frontier this year, I had to cringe. Um, and piggybacking on what the gentleman in the audience said as well, when we talk about inclusion, um, Western Frontier means a lot of different things to a lot of people, um, myself included. Um, it also represents displacement, it represents marginalization, and so as we try to expand access um, and, in, and bring people into these outdoor spaces, knowing the wonderful benefits that these experiences have, it's really important to be very mindful about the themes you're choosing to make sure that they're gonna resonate with all of your audiences because that one might have made some people feel unwelcome or just not a part of what you're doing.
Dr. Gaines. Thank you. Um, so thank you guys so much for the presentation. I apologize for walking in late. Um, but I did have a couple questions about the CAP Camp Sacramento piece. Um, thank you, sir, for asking the question you did, because that was my question. Um, but I felt like we didn't get an answer to what the demographics are. And so if you don't have that today, that's totally fine. You can email it um, to Raymond, and he can get that over to us, because I am interested to see, um, because I think especially in Sacramento, there's just not a lot of opportunities for um, marginalized communities to participate. Uh, my dad was born and raised here, and he had—he was like, we went to Camp Sacramento. They came to Oak Park and put us on a bus and took us to camp, which I know we can't do nowadays. You can't just swoop up kids. But I do think having an opportunity to get kids from you know this kind of concrete jungle that we live in to take them would be um, great. And I'm kind of 50, 50, I love that people have already signed up for next year, um, but then also I am wondering about while there's 10% save for scholarship and other opportunities, it does feel like people are grandfathered in. Like, I can't just decide now that I want to go. So I don't know if there's like a waitlist process. And if so, if we do have demographics of the waitlist and maybe can see like are people, are the outreach efforts working and people want to get in, but they can't because so many families are grandfathered in. And what we, I know it's a hard balance because also if people have been a part of camp for so long, we can't just X them out and not um, honor their participation for so long, but really the pictures didn't look too diverse. And so I'm going by that, um, but I would love those numbers. And then just, yeah, if, I don't know if you, is there a wait list that people can join? Uh, yes, absolutely. So, and then uh, we tried to, to make sure that that wait list is fair. Um, so, you know, those who already have cabins sometimes go for, you know, for another cabin, put on a wait list. So the priority goes for people who have not been to camp before. Awesome. And, and, and tried to, we tried to, you know, to, to be as, you know, as conscious of that as, as we can. Perfect. And then I don't know, too, if you guys would have not just the demographics, but also by district. That would be cool, um, just because then we can make sure we're doing our part in our districts to support um, either outreach or mm -hmm. any other anything else that we can do. Uh, yes. Uh, currently, I do not have those numbers. Uh, it, our our reservation system does not, you know, collect them the same way. Um, but it's something that we can look into and see if we can siphon through and, and get some uh, more concrete numbers on that. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner King. Yes, thank you guys for your presentation. Um, mine is more of a question on how can we help? So for the pools specifically, um, how can us as a commission come together to help with outreach, help with attendance for next year and for lifeguard um, recruitment or anything like that? Because I want to see those numbers keep continuing to rise. Um, so how can, how can we help? I'll kick it off, but the answer is always going to be recruitment. Uh, recruitment's tough. We started already right now for next season, so we're starting to plan our on-campus recruitments. But again, when we hire youth, um, one of the issues and roadblocks that we have is their seasonal staff. So trying to bring them back on a recurring basis. A lot of them go back to college. They're not in town. So trying to work through that hiring process has been difficult. But in addition to that, it's work permits, working with high schools, trying to develop those relationships with multiple school districts throughout. So. Um, I think that would be the biggest push is on the recruitment piece. Yeah, to second that, um, I was going to also say uh, that 
you know, when you talk about a neighborhood pool, let's say like using Cabrillo pool as an example, you only need a handful of staff that are committed to run it. And so if we can recruit in those neighborhoods, utilizing those schools, so really localizing, getting back to the kids from that neighborhood, actually participating and being those lifeguards, it makes our staffing much easier as well because driving does matter. People, you know, we get 225 staff, but it doesn't mean they can all go to any pool. So having that localized staff and your efforts to in those schools along as ourselves, uh, posts in the neighborhood, neighborhood association, things like that. We have a full-time team. They do a lot. On, we focus on recruiting like crazy, but there's always more. And sometimes it takes people asking the question and the help. And we would always, always um, accept that help. And then other pieces, um, the sponsor days are always fantastic. We did notice um, that on sponsor days, sometimes that does help with attendance. So if you're looking to get a few more people out there, you know, we're always open to anybody that's interested in participating, sponsoring. That's another way of getting people to go out to the pools. Uh, but the recruitment's a huge piece because it allows us to be open some more days. And I always say, I just need six kids from the neighborhood. Or I just need seven kids from there and we can, we can do more. So that would be the, in my opinion, kind of the first easiest step as well. And then just one more piece to add on to that. Uh, we're always trying to play the long game on that. So developing lifeguards and developing youth into the swimming skills that can then become lifeguards is a huge priority for us. You know, we host lifeguard workshops for free to help people with those swimming skills and those pieces, but also just getting the word out about our scholarship opportunities in those neighborhoods for swim lessons, uh, making sure that the youth in the neighborhood are growing up taking swim lessons, developing those skills so that we can get them then transitioning into lifeguards for us over the next several years. Commissioner Robbins. Yes, um, I know last year was really bad with um, getting lifeguards, but we dropped the age limit to 15 this year, right? Was there a shortage? I thought we were maxed out on that this year, and that was why we could extend the hours on many pools this year. Uh, so we have a couple different, well, we have several different types of positions that, are, that require lifeguard certifications. Um, the one where we saw the largest deficit this year was senior lifeguards, basically lifeguards with experience. Um, and those are the positions we're projecting to be 45 short from where we normally are. So what we did is we froze some of those positions and added some additional lifeguard positions temporarily this year to help us get through that. And they took on some of the workload that would normally be filled by those positions. Now we're hopeful that by lowering the lifeguard age to 15, we hired more first year lifeguards than we ever have, that that's gonna create a good, I don't want to say crop, but it should help. Um, <laughs> we should have a good class of lifeguards graduating next year that we retain um, into the senior guard positions, and hopefully that'll help set us up to be better. But we did find certainly benefit by lowering the age to 15. Well, thank you so much. Wow, what a season. Those numbers are outstanding. And we're here in October still having those numbers. How exciting that here in uh, Sacramento we're still swimming. Um, so job well done. Thank you so much for telling us uh, what happened and telling us about all the programming and all of the visits and all of the details. I really appreciate uh, the aquatics team and all of the community engagement that they've been doing. I've seen them everywhere. I've got some new sunglasses, loving the swag. I think people have been really responsive uh, to the types of swag that you're handing out for aquatics. I think it's very um, impactful, it's working, I like it. Um, and I hope that that's like a metric we're looking at, like are people showing up with their aquatics water bottle? Because um, I use mine every day. Um, I didn't have it today, so thank you Raymond for bringing me some water. Um, great job, Aquatics. I'm very, very happy to see um, even the, the North uh, Natomas number at the bottom just stretching across the entire graph. 
um, so impressive, and I'm so glad that the event went so well, your pre-Olympic trials, and that that's um, already in the works for next year. Incredible, very happy to see that, thank you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And in regards to uh, Camp Sacramento, I think my uh, commissioners all mentioned the, the same questions that I had, but I do, uh, when you do bring up uh, one of the challenges that you had is maintenance and an aging facility. I would love to hear specifics about what exactly is aging, um, knowing that we're not really like updating the deferred maintenance list, but we have running maintenance lists. I would love to know like, what do you need exactly um, at a 100 year old facility um, so that those don't slip through the cracks. Um, so thank you so much for your presentations. I appreciate it. Quick answer on that or no? Yeah, if you have one, bring it on up. Yeah, let's All go. right, so uh, Camp Sacramento, a facility that's covered in snow on an annual basis. So number one problem is dry rot and flooring. Um, the fire did some significant damage. Uh, camp was saved um, during the fire, but it caused a lot of the dirt to slide down, push some cabins off to the side. So uh, we got some flooring repairs done, but again, tons of dry rot on, on the facilities. We have a water line, a main water line that needs to be replaced. Um, It'll probably take us three to five years to replace it in sections. But um, again, it's just the infrastructure, making sure that it's it's brought up to date. Um, we replaced a septic tank up, up there uh, a year ago. So a lot of outdated things um, and it's camp. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's camping um, you know, with some, some outdated facilities that need to be updated. Wonderful, thank you for that. Thank you for the presentation. Alrighty, item number three is expanded learning programs overview. Do we have a staff presentation? We're moving from the tall staff to the short staff. <laughs> so good evening, Chair, Vice Chair, and members of the Commission. My name is Monica Blanco and I'm the Youth Division Manager. I have two teams that are gonna present their annual reports to you. So first up is our expanded learning team. And I'd like to introduce Joyce Wenger Johnson, who is our recreation superintendent, along with Samantha Hoshid, our program supervisor. I might need to be schooled on this really fast. Is this just going forward? Yeah, that's it. Just okay. Oh, there we go. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for having us. Again, my name is Joyce Wenger Johnson. I'm the recreation superintendent over expanded learning. Our expanded learning is about almost a $10 million budget and it's supported by 184 FTEs to kind of give you the size of what our program is. So our expanded learning program encompasses 18 fourth R locations and we'll go over these all individually in these next slides. Um, we have five Robles Start sites and an ACES elementary location. We offer four summer oasis and one kids camp. We do three discovery camps. We are in partnership with four different school districts, and we have one ACES middle school at San Brandon. So we're gonna start first with our ROBLA um, and is our ACES program. Our ACES program is a grant through the Department of California of Education. Um, it's about, our grant is about 753,000, um, and it is also in conjunction with ROBLA School District, who has ELOP funding of about 1.3 million. That helps us with our uh, intercession camps, um, TK and K programs that are an additional above our ACES money and our grant. So we're currently at Main Avenue, the five elementary schools in their district, it's a small district, Taylor Street, Bell Avenue, Glenwood, and Robla. 
Um, we're slowly kind of coming back from COVID. Uh, last year, we ended the school year with 455 children. Currently for this school year, we have 486. So by projection, um, we'll, we're continuing to enroll at all of the locations. We have a maximum capacity of 200 kids at each location. Um, it is at some of the locations that the population of the schools are getting smaller. And so it's right, not where it used to be many years in the past. So we're trying to capture most of those kids, but they do have a declining population at some of those school locations. We have some basic demographics that we pull from our ActiveNet. Our children, we register in through our ActiveNet system. And so we kind of have some basic ethnicity and gender uh, demographics to share. Our ACES program also uh, supplemented by our ELOP funding. We bring in outside contractors. They help with our enrichment providers. We do, uh, this year we have coming up SAC Connect, which is a social emotional um, kind of enrichment provider coming in. We have a Little Scholars uh, who is doing science uh, with them. We have a program called Book Nook. It is a reading kind of tutoring program that, this, that the kids do after school on iPads. There are volunteers from United Way that do educational and tutoring for children that might be um, having problems in school or might have grades and bad subjects. That Book Nook program helps identify what those uh, lacks are and gives them tutoring in those subjects. Uh, we have a program uh, that we're doing with Girl Scouts uh, at all of our locations. We do Running for Ret. We do a food literacy program uh, in conjunction with food literacy. They come in and they talk to the students about what's good to eat, what are our fruits and vegetables, what they do for us, what vitamins we get from them. They go over recipes, and usually they base the recipes off of cultural. Uh, so if they're gonna do, I'm just making this up. If they're gonna do chow mein, they'll talk about like where chow mein come from. Uh, we have another program called Cultural Forum. It is a teacher who uh, used to work in the Sacramento area, and it is her organization. And she comes in and kind of does the same thing with food, but she ties it back to the history of Sacramento. And so if she's talking about rice, she'll tie about in about rice and how it relates to our own history within the Sacramento area. So we're super excited to have her come on this year. Um, we do Running for Ret. It's another program that we support uh, where the students join uh, and then they run around Lamb Park in support of Running for Ret, uh, raising money for, for them and really talking about exercise. We have a program through the county called the Grandparent Foster Program. And so it's parent, grandparents who volunteer. Uh, they, it is signed up through the county of Sacramento and we have a contract with them. And so grandparents come in, uh, they're paid through the county, but they come in and volunteer as a good kind of mentor, uh, positive relationship with the students. Uh, so we also have that there. And another thing that we have in our Robla ACES program is academic alignment coaches. So each, each of those five locations, we have a teacher that helps support and is kind of our liaison between the school. Um, and so again, working with those kids that might need extra support, uh, again, in relationship with the principal, what resources can they provide to our students and kind of bridge that gap between the day and then after school program. So we have a lot packed in with our Robla program uh, just during the normal school year. We also, this year was our first year, again, in conjunction with uh, Robla School District is offering ELOP camps. And if I didn't mention before, ACES is free to anybody that wants to register at those school locations. And the same with our Robla ELOP camps. 
Uh, first year we did it, so we did a spring break camp. Um, it is 10 days uh, that they have spring break in the Robla district. Uh, and so again, this is our first year. I don't have any numbers to compare it for. We broke down our schools and did two locations in the area. And so at Bell, we had 57, and the Glenwood, we had 60. And then we did the same in summer camp. Again, first year of doing it, we had great attendance of 123 and 124. They did great uh, field trips, things that they would never be able to do. It's great to kind of see the kids' excitement. They went to the Rock Quarry um, in, Rose, in Rockland area. If you've been there, it just gives them the opportunity to kind of explore like what, what they can do and what they can't do, like with their limits. Uh, we did uh, the automobile museum, so they got to see kind of cars, the decades and the history of the cars throughout. Uh, we did bowling. We did roller skating, we did rebounders, we did Sequest. Again, a lot of just kind of mixed in with some fun things and educational things, again, that these students would never get to have. We did school buses through the district, and so uh, we had two school buses uh, going back and forth, bringing these students to these great trips. So the picture here is at the Rockland Rock Quarry, uh, and they this was kind of in their net playground area. And then our Sam Brandon ACES program. Uh, it is in conjunction with the city of Sacramento. Uh, they are the holder of the grant. Uh, we are a provider to Sac City for them. They are sixth through eighth graders. And so again, this is kind of coming back from COVID. We've kind of just seen kids just aren't interested. And so we're really trying to figure out with these middle schoolers, how do we entice them to come to our program? And so uh, we've been really strategic this year in finding ways to, to do that. So our program staff are working with the school staff. And so during like lunchtime, we're encouraging them to come out. We have different clubs, gardening clubs, anime, a yearbook club, Islander club, um, a rainbow LGBT club, Mesa club, yearbook club. So we're trying to encourage them all this fun stuff uh, that we have during lunchtime to get them to come after school. After school, we have some of those. We are again work with uh, Sac City, we have a ball out club, and so that's basketball. Uh, the kids there love basketball, love soccer, and so what better way to entice them to come to our program with sports? Most of them are really into sports. And in a lot of our programs, if you've seen our, our scale of gender, we are really half and half in most of our programs that we have through expanded learning. We don't ever really see one gender greater than the other. Um, and so again, they have other out enrichment providers that come, SAC Connect, SAC City Sports, Cyber Hip Hop is a big one. If you've met Michael Brim, he comes out, he does art with them, he does DJing with them. Um, it just really relates to those middle schoolers. So we're really blessed to kind of have some great enrichment providers to come out. Uh, we also do some summer camps out there. Uh, this last session, we were out there for a month. Uh, we did a summer session. Again, harder to pull them in the summer when they're not just coming from school saying, come here first. So uh, we did have the summer session. And then some current highlights that we have uh, coming up. Uh, the summer we did in conjunction with 7-Eleven and Gifts to Share, we did a backpack giveaway. It is our second year doing that. So before school starts, uh, this last year we gave away over 300 backpacks and the backpacks are filled with school supplies. So any students in the Robla area can come out um, and get a backpack. We also gave away food from the food bank. Um, we gave almost 600 boxes of food. So however many boxes of food that they wanted or felt that they needed, we were able to give them. Um, 7-Eleven brought like cookies and pizza, so we were able to go give some of those. Those went pretty fast. Uh, 
We give supper daily to all of our ACES kids. Um, and then Lights On After School is October 26, and that's kind of just a celebration of what it looks like in after-school programming. Each site kind of does their own thing, uh, like a dance party. Um, really, we really ask the kids what they're interested in and try to bring something really fun and celebrate what it is to do in after-school. All right, I'm going to pass it over to Samantha Mushida, and she's going to talk about our fourth R in camps. Good evening. Um, so uh, I'm going to talk about uh, 4R in camps, like Joyce mentioned. 4R is a licensed child care program, um, and we are an enterprise fund of the city. Uh, we are currently operating at 18 site locations. Um, we are fee-based, but we take Child Action, CalWorks, and Child Care Aware um, as third-party payment vendors. Um, so we really try to uh, serve the needs of our campuses and our schools. Um, we are recreation-based, but we also have components of arts and crafts, science, field trips, engineering, um, social and emotional learning. So this is the first time we've, we've been able to capture statistics on enrollment um, based on our new software program. And so um, up here we have two ethnicities listed, but we hope in the future as we update the, uh, and work with the software company, we'll be able to add in more options and be able to capture more next enrollment period and in the future. Um, our primary ages of enrollment of the youth is six to nine years old. So that's kind of like first through fourth grade. So um, right, those are the kids that are with us the most uh, amount of time throughout the day. We are open 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, on non-school days and then before and after school during the school year. Um, this year we've added TK to our enrollment and um, so has our license. So we are licensed, so licensing has gone back and updated their requirements um, and ages as well. So we are able to support the TKs that are now on elementary school campuses. Um, and that's been kind of fun to have, right, a younger, a younger age group in there with a little more energy. Um, but we also provide an inclusive environment and needs for all of our children. So some fourth R highlights. Um, this year, we have partnered um, with Natomas Unified in their ELOP funding to provide this LEAP Academy um, program, which is providing access to licensed child care for children who would not have had an opportunity otherwise. Um, they are non-duplicated students, and that investment in conjunction with Natomas Unified is a little over $403,000. Um, we are op operating that at four school site locations um, and serving 120 um, sponsored students and free meals and then within that there's also additional programming uh, and clubs so that is not limited but currently includes um, I steam I cook girls empowerment uh, B Street theater code camps and little heroes so just a different way to enhance the programming um, that we're offering at the school campuses We've also partnered with Sacramento City Unified School District to provide lunches to summer school sites and currently after school snacks at 11 of our campuses in Sac City Unified. Um, we, and since the spring of 2000, sorry, 2022, um, we've continued our partnership with Sacramento State's uh, Child, Adolescent, um, and Child Development Department and have had interns um, come do some of their coursework in our programs. Um, and in conjunction, so we've had 54 students to date um, in 
um, that has then turned into 10 of them wanting to work for us after they finish the program. So once they've been done with their classes, we've been able to offer them part-time employment at the locations that they did their internship at. So they're building great connections and uh, you know with the kids and obviously love what they're doing. And so we, we're thrilled to be able to have them now as part of our staff. Um, and then just some upcoming highlights. Uh, we like to give back to the community and do community service project at our locations. So upcoming, uh, some of our school sites are doing a Socktober drive. Um, they're gonna donate socks back to Youth Wind um, uh, nonprofit. Um, a canned food drive, they're gonna do ornaments and decorating trees at Shriners Children's Hospital. Uh, they're doing a pet food supply drive. Uh, we sent Emily Bradley some signs. I don't know if you know who she is, but she is local to Sacramento and has um, made the 2024 Olympics in bobsledding. So um, her parents own a uh, snow cone truck. They came out to one of our school site locations, and our kids have sent them off with uh, signs to help hopefully have her go all the way. Um, we're doing a pajama drive, and those are just some of the things that um, our sites are doing. So if any of you would like to help participate or be a part of that, please reach out. We'd love to have that partnership. We also offered, operated um, summer oasis in a kids camp this summer. Um, so they ran from June 5th through August 18th. There were 75 slots available at each site per session. There are two sessions um, per camp um, and that we, sorry, so there were 60 participants per location last summer. We increased it to 75 this summer, um, and it was um, full at full capacity every session. So we are going to raise the enrollment to 100 uh, children for next session, for next year per session. Um, and then the kids camp at Evelyn Moore, I'd just like to point out that that is a free program. So all participants there um, have had free free camp. So here are some of our summer camp demographics. Um, we served 142 more youth this summer than last summer. Um, and then lunches were provided in conjunction with the Natomas Unified School District. Um, as Joyce mentioned, gender is pretty pretty even, right? Half and half for, for all of our camp programs as well. Um, and the, the same kind of age group for ages served is that eight to nine year old group. This was the first year um, that we did this Reg Regency Park Discovery Camp in partnership with Twin Rivers uh, Unified School District. Um, and so that investment was $164,000 um, and we ran intercession there. So we did winter session, a spring session, and then a summer camp. And we served 216 non-duplicated students. Um, so we have hopes to continue intercession starting with this winter break this school year. We've had a great partnership with them. Um, and one of the things that was a really big highlight last summer was the school district in, invested in National Inventors Hall of Fame training for all of our staff and provided all the curriculum and the supplies. So that was just an added benefit for the programming that we offer at this location. Sorry, this is a little video to talk about our summer. Sorry, click the button too early. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along 
Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your That was just kind of a little uh, example of what some of the fun things that we did this summer. Um, and so this is our expanded learning team uh, for 2023. This was at Passover Day. And then uh, again, we're always like probably aquatics and camp looking for staff. We, we are doing so much better uh, than last year. This picture was uh, at the end of the summer. We have a kickball and barbecue. Uh, so this is our kickball game at Land Park. Uh, not a lot of people like to play kickball, but I think it's pretty fun. Uh, so just again, we have ongoing efforts to recruit recreation aides. They are the bone of our programming and what we do. Um, and so year-round, we're hiring as we operate year-round. So thank you guys for letting us share our story. Great presentation. Do we have any members of the public clerk who would like to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. No, we have, there are no speakers for this item. Wonderful. And then we'll call on our commissioners. Commissioner Ford. That was a great presentation, and just thank you for all your leadership in um, programming and expanding some of these um, opportunities for diverse um, community members. Um, I wanted to raise a question about um, the ethnicity category, I believe. I think it was for fourth R. Um, I think you mentioned that um, you're looking to expand the categories, I think, based on limitations of the software. Is that accurate? Yes. This is our first year that we have a software that has asked for demographics on our contract. And so those were the two, it's a new software. This was the two demographics that they had. So next year we really want to take what the city, the city has in terms of their demographic population categories and put that onto our contract for next year. So okay. then we can really capture what all of those demographics are. Yes, I, I mean, I, I appreciate obviously the effort, but it would paint a bigger picture about, sure. you know, who, who accesses services and just so we can get a sense of equity too. Do you want to point out that Spanish descent is not a uh, category under the federal category, so I would just, you know, maybe look into it a little bit more. Yeah, that is what is on our ActiveNet system, so when we pull data, that's how it comes over, so we'll definitely look at that in with the ActiveNet team. Thank you. Um, I know earlier in the year we talked uh, about camps and camps access, et, et cetera, um, and I'm excited to hear that, you know, it was increased to 25 more for Camp Oasis, um, but some of the feedback we gave earlier in the year was that, um, the feedback we shared previously was that we wanted to see what the possibilities were to expand the time of camps. 
Um, that, that was one. <laughs> um, obviously, um, you guys made an effort to extend the slots, but I know there's still so much more need. Um, and so just looking to see what, what the opportunities are to expand those opportunities. I think the other one was also um, not everyone can register online and, and it gets filled up really quickly, obviously, because there's such a demand. Um, so wondering if there was anything done about setting aside some slots for folks that can't register online or pushing down the registration timeline because some folks are at work while that, you know, uh, registration timeline opens up. Said a lot, so I'll pause. <laughs> yeah, so just uh, note that we're not the only one that, that we do summer camps. Um, kids camp is offered through our community center, so all of our community centers have kids camp. We just have a portion of it. So I just want to reiterate that there is a lot more summer camps all around the greater Sacramento that are free uh, in kids camp. And uh, your other question uh, was about enrollment on registering for programs. If they don't have access to the system, they have reg reservations offices around the greater Sacramento that they can register. But we could definitely look into allowing that spot, uh, that time frame where people have the opportunity to register online versus being able to come into the office at nine when it opens and then fill out a registration form. Thank you, I appreciate it. Look forward to like hearing more about I just want to add, excuse me, one thing, because you talked about expanding hours for summer camps. The majority of our summer camp programs are outdoors, and it makes it really difficult in terms of safety with the heat raising so high and not having um, access to shade at, you know, some of our locations. Really, 2 o'clock is a threshold that most young people can really stand to be outside. Um, and so wanted to address that piece so you kind of understood where we're coming from there. The other thing is we really believe that all young people um, deserve, right, access to quality programs as a whole. And we know we can't do that unless we address equity. So part of their presentation was really about what we, we heard you loud and clear last year <laughs> about prioritizing equity. So when you look at all of the conversations and the slides that they were talking about with the ELOP funding, that's exactly what that does. It prioritizes our most vulnerable youth and provides access. So when you look at, for example, in Natomas, right, our LEAP Academy, that $403,000 is for scholarships. 100% funds those kids. Um, our young people in, in providing access into quality licensed childcare. Um, so we did hear you loud and clear, and if that point didn't come across in the presentation, I just wanted to really highlight that. Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you. Commissioner Boone. Thank you for your presentation and all of your work. Um, I just had a like a clarifying question. For the fourth R program, is that, I guess it's two, two part, is that program gonna be expanded? And then if yes, like how are schools or sites selected to become a fourth R program? At this point, we don't have any expansion plans. Okay. And then uh, to my second question, how, how, I don't know how many elementary schools or middle schools there are in the, in the four districts? Four districts, yeah. So and then how are the 11 decided upon? So that has, we've been around since 1986. Okay. Um, and so those have been the one, well, we have 12, 12 in Sac City. Um, but 11 are currently operating. Okay. Yeah. Do you know like how many go, like how, what's the ratio of like how many schools have a fourth R partnership and then how many? Oh gosh. In terms of elementary schools in Sac City. So Sac City operates ACES and ELOP funding. 
So at the majority of their schools, there is a, uh, another competing program, okay. I guess you want to say, at all of them. Okay. So kids have access to free, free uh, ACES program, or they are, can come to 4th R, right? We have our child action, it's fee paying, many different options that we can help them get licensed care if they wanted that. So essentially, I just want to, I don't, I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. Every elementary school has some level of this yes. programming. Yes. Okay. Correct. Yes. Thank you. Well, I just wanted to compliment you on the presentation. Um, I felt that it was thorough and um, the fact that you provided um, numbers and the work that's being done, especially with ROLA, I, I mean, it just warms my heart. Um, it's, such a, it's an area that definitely needs attention. Um, and also, I just wanted to thank you for bringing up the equity issue. I think um, for the past several years, it's been something that we have been laser focused on. And I just wanted to um, compliment you and, and um, your leadership for um, the work that you're doing to ensure that marginalized and disadvantaged youth have an opportunity to have um, services that help them to develop and, and flourish. So really just wanted to just thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Robbins. Yes, uh, thank you for the presentation. Uh, it really warms my heart because we know how important after-school programs are for kids and you know, keep them out of trouble and stuff like that and how you guys get back the food to the families. Being an unhoused child myself, I know how much of an impact that makes, so thank you for that. And kind of piggybacking on what Commissioner Boone said, um, you know, I see all these schools on the list. Well, why is there so little Twin River School District schools on that list? I know they say they have programmings, but we have programs like the Stanford Settlement and the Greenhouse in District 3 and District 2 that it's not involved with the schools, but you know, without those programs, a lot of these kids are missing out on this. And so I just wanted to see why Twin Rivers is, there was only one R4 school on there. Yeah, we've been at Twin Rivers at the Regency Park when the school was built. And so when the school was being built, we were asked to be a part of their collaboration. Um, and so that's how we kind of became on the Twin Rivers campus, which is really pressing the boundaries of where we are in Sac City, because um, then it right hits your Rio Linda area. Um, and so that's kind of how we kind of became part of the Twin Rivers collaboration. All right, thank you for everything you do. It's very special. Thank you so much. Commissioner, and thank you for the presentation. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, now it's now I'm going to ask you some questions. Oh. <laughs> almost yes, there. now you have You're questions. Almost there. No, we the firing squad's not over. It's there. <laughs> um, yes. Do we have another hand raised? Oh, Vice Chair Gaines, and then me. Yes. Sorry, I don't know. It was on there, and then <laughs> something happened. Yeah, you crossed me off somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple things. First of all, with 4th R, I love the intern workforce development. I think that that's great, and I think that's an example for a lot of our programs that, um, you know, giving young people that opportunity to intern and then also making having them become employees. I love that. Um, I really liked at Sam Brandon the clubs that you have as a part of that because I think with I have a middle schooler and it's very <laughs> hard to get them involved, but to have if you're like, hey, come to our program, they're like, no, thank you. I can stay home by myself. I'm 13 years old. But if it's like, oh, join this club that you're interested in and then sign up for our program while you're here, I think that's a really great way to increase numbers. So I love that you guys are doing that. Um, two questions that I have. So for the, the Robla camp that you guys did this year, um, you said that there was like 57 or 60 kids. Were you guys at capacity with those numbers? No, that's just what we had signed up. That was our first intercession camp that we have done in the Robla district. 
Um, and so we opened it up. I think we had 100 slots at each location. That's just what we were able to get registered. Okay, so it, so outreach is what is probably is how yeah, we can again, support. Yeah, again, first for next time, time doing it. Mm -hmm. Whether families had other plans doing something for spring break, uh, not really sure. So again, we're hoping like when we now have next year, we're we're going to see those numbers continually to rise and increase. Perfect. And then my second question, and this um, is kind of an HR question, so Director, this might be to you. Um, with the recades, because it sounds like we need a lot of recades across the board, um, is that a part-time position? And then if so, is it possible, totally spitballing here, for like people to do different recade positions? Like, okay, I'm going to work intercession camp, and then I'm going to go <laughs> do this, and then I'm going to be a lifeguard. I'm just wondering, because I think that for a lot of people, if it's like, oh, here's a part-time job versus there's full-time jobs elsewhere, like, but I don't know if that's like a paperwork nightmare. It seems very reasonable, and like it makes a lot of sense, <laughs> right? I think many of us would agree with that. Unfortunately, we are unable to do that um, when a part-time employee commits to one position. They have to work in that position. In order to transfer to another position, they would need to actually transfer or separate and then be reemployed in a new role. It has a lot to do with benefits and not, exceed, not exceeding hours to become a benefited employee. Okay. I know. In the good old days, <laughs> we were all over it. <laughs> I, mean, I think that like, we have like a floating team and they're full-time staff and they just go to every single thing. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Yeah, and how uh, convenient would a floating staffer be when you you have a staff down at a fourth R, or you have a COVID outbreak, or you have staff that need to be replaced? Um, so, and my uh, questions are kind of in the same vein as numbers. So, um, when we talk about the fourth R enrollment versus the ACEs enrollment, um, how are the wait lists this year for fourth R? How's that looking? Are we at capacity? And then there's a bunch more waiting or no? And then yeah. what's the ACEs enrollment like? As so well? ACEs, uh, we have no wait lists. Uh, again, our capacity is to get up to those 200. And so uh, we're really trying to be intentional about working with the schools and getting out there, uh, going to events, having community things uh, to get those enrollment numbers up. And then for fourth R, we do have a couple school locations that have wait lists. Um, one is like for size capacity, we're really at the maximum in terms of our license. And then the other uh, was lack of staff. Uh, we do have a lot more staff in onboarding uh, that are going to hopefully be starting soon based off of that onboarding timeline um, where we're going to take more kids off those wait lists. So our goal uh, is to not have wait lists until it hits our capacity. And each center does have a capacity based off of our license. And what, how many people are on the wait lists? Um, I want to say at Crocker, we had 30, um, and very similar to Heron and Paso. Crocker's is, a, is a, a size issue. We just can't capacity. Like, you have to have so much square footage indoors and outdoor space. We just don't have that at Crocker. We have over probably 280 kids registered at Crocker, um, and our daily average is 150. And so really capacity-wise, we can't take any more. Uh, the others is really just staffing. And so with hopefully these new people come on, um, I know that Heron's already starting to reach out to families. Uh, they have new staff. They're going to be onboarded soon. So uh, we're working on those lists. Well, and thank you so much for uh, speaking to the demographics, demographics this year and bringing up the equity issues we've all been asking for. I think those numbers uh, kind of missed the mark or the categories missed the mark in, uh, in identifying. So I guess my question is, um, the active net issue that needs to be modified, is that across all 
parks or is that just for expanded learning? Like do the different demographics um, share between departments? So we'll review our ActiveNet system for accuracy. We have that team here tonight um, and it's on their radar, but um, their pro they use a different program for some of their uh, for their fourth our child care, they have a different system. So it's a matter of ensuring that all of our systems are aligned and meeting that same standard, but it's absolutely something that we'll be, we will be reviewing. Fantastic. And how can we help you? How can we help you share the word for your, your ACEs enrollment? Keep supporting what we're doing, that after school is super important, um, and just keep supporting our youth. We'd love to offer more scholarships. Um, again, like 4th R's and Enterprise Fund, we don't have access to any outside funding besides right, our CalWORKs, Child Action, our ELOP resources that we're doing. Um, so, you know, if there's any opportunities for other additional scholarships out there, we'd love to explore those. Do you have like a, Ms. Blanco? Oh, excuse me. We um, could really use some help in, I'm just looking over here on the side of the room, in our Robla district, really to help us increase um, our enrollment. Um, really, we've, staff have done a really good job in terms of uh, looking for staff who are Spanish speaking, um, you know, and we've done a really good job with that. We could use some additional staff that speak Spanish to help out with bringing in more enrollment. Um, also to all of you, we really need staff. Um, there's 24 locations in four different school districts operations at the majority of those sites run from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., so 11 hours a day. It takes a lot of people to run those operations, and we are looking for those folks who are dedicated, who really want to play a big part in the role of a child. Could you provide us some social graphics in Spanish to recruit for that position, and then we can share those out for you? Yes. Sorry, I thought you were going to ask me personally for that right now, and I was going to say no, <laughs> but we will work on that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for your presentation. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Uh, that is receive and file. Um, so we'll move on to the next item, which is civic engagement update. Hello. Thank you. Me for again. So um, I am proud to announce or introduce our civic engagement team. I'd like to invite. Sarah Musser up, she's our Recreation General Supervisor, to introduce the rest of the Civic Engagement Team and then they will proceed with their presentation. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. Happy to be here with you all. Um, we have an amazing uh, team that works with Civic Engagement. Uh, one of them isn't here. She happens to be in Nicaragua. Um, so we wish Maria Videz Medal, who is our program coordinator for the Summer at City Hall program, uh, very well wishes as she enjoys her trip with her family. Um, but tonight I have Rhonda Patterson, which is the program supervisor for Civic Engagement, and Dominique Herndon. Sorry. Wrong sides. Um, and she's the program coordinator for the Sacramento Youth Commission. So without further ado, I'm going to let them give you this awesome presentation. Well, good evening, and thank you for the opportunity to share um, um, our civic engagement unit updates and um, information with you tonight. Again, I am Rhonda Patterson. I'm the program supervisor um, for the civic engagement unit here in the city. My presentation is going to be to introduce uh, a little bit more information and update you about our Summer at City Hall program. Um, again, the Summer at City Hall is a six-week summer program that is very interactive and very intensive. 
Um, it is open and we host the high school students who are at time of application, uh, current freshmen uh, through juniors. Um, in the program, what we are focused on is local government processes and really teaching about advocacy um, as well as uh, how to be active citizens in their community. The goal of the program is really to um, introduce structures of local government, to really introduce um, how young people can utilize their voices to uh, create platforms of engagement and any um, structures that have to do with youth directly, um, helping them to learn how to use their voice to uplift in those areas. So uh, we wanted to give you a little bit of demographic. We were really looking at um, how censuses are done and statistics are usually done in 10-year periods. And so we went back a little bit more than a decade to look at some of our own um, demographics to share with you. So really looking here, you can see during our um, pand pandemic period, um, we were able to host to almost 100 students, actually 100 uh, student participants were in our program because of the fact that we were able to create a virtual platform for them um, where we were able to do programming five days a week in a virtual um, place. The following year, um, we came back as the first time we ever did a hybrid program um, where we had uh, instruction in the morning here at City Hall and then our afternoon portion um, was done in a virtual our life skill workshops. Um, 2023, this year, we were able to actually come back full in person um, in City Hall five days a week. We were here from uh, 8.30 to 3 o'clock, and we were able to have 68 graduates this year for a total uh, in that decade period of 837 graduates. Here you'll see our application process. Um, to the left, you will see that these are the district slots that are allotted from our memorandum of understanding. Um, and it gives each district's breakdown of how many slots they will sponsor for students. Um, to the right, you will see what our graduates uh, uh, were for 2023 uh, based on each of the districts uh, that are partnering with us, which are Twin Rivers, Natomas Unified and Sac City Unified School Districts are our partners. You'll also see there we have at-large students. Those students are participants that uh, live uh, within the city limits but do not attend in either of those partnering districts. So if you look at our schools of participation, you'll see our three partnering districts are there. Uh, Sac City, of course, has the most uh, schools that are enlisted in our program. There's a total of 18 high schools altogether that participated in 2023. Um, we do have uh, six at-large uh, schools. Again, those are students who live within the city uh, limits but do not attend any of those partnering schools. We also did a breakdown of residential districts to show where our participants are living. Um, if you notice that in District 1, that was our highest district with 26 uh, enrollees, participants in our program. Um, and then we again had District 7 and at large um, would be our next largest uh, participant areas. We are looking at opportunities to expand and figure uh, ways to do strategically outreach in the districts that have the lower numbers. Uh, one of the things that we've looked at is how can we um, do outreach and recruitment in those uh, city identified uh, priority neighborhoods. 
For our demographic breakdown, um, you will see that we do have diversity there. Again, one of our areas of expansion is to make sure that we are targeting, for lack of a better word, uh, those uh, priority neighborhoods to make sure that we are uh, involving and doing outreach recruitment presentations, tabling, and, and uh, uh, connecting to those school administrators to make sure that we are able to be on campus. We also are just looking at different ways to include ambassadorship of other uh, past students as well as our Summit City Hall alumni. Here you'll see uh, a breakdown of the 2023 Summit City Hall hours. Uh, for instructional time, we do have uh, three certificated teachers each year from the Sacramento uh, Unified School District, um, which are interviewed and hired uh, by our staff, and then they are um, paid through the district, but as a partnership. So you'll see in the instruction time, which is usually the 8.30 uh, to 12 noon, is over 7,300 hours the students this year participated, those 68 students that we talked about. Um, the life skill workshops are the afternoon portion of the program following lunch. We had over 5,200 hours there. The life skill workshops include things like a teen driver program. We included uh, workshops around dual enrollment, mental health and wellness, um, pre-voting, pre-registration for voting, um, and just anything that we felt that would be a good back pocket tool for those young people as they move it forward into young adulthood. So a big portion of what we do in the morning portion where we have our academic support is we work on what we call Project City Hall. Um, we divide students into what we call link groups, which are small working groups. And at that time, they then start to pick what is the topic that is most important to them uh, as a group. So we do not assign the topics to them. We actually um, support them by giving them some suggestions. But we really allow them to, as a group, formulate what it is that is important to them. Uh, with that, then they create uh, billboards, they create public service announcements, they create uh, PSAs and other ways to get the word out about the topics that are important to them. Um, we also, at that point, uh, are able to do presentations to city council and the mayor of those topics. So you'll see here that we had Aspire to Hire, which basically how can we support unhoused people and get them into the employment area so that they can uh, enhance their lives. Uh, human trafficking continues to be a high focal point for the youth as they come through Summer at City Hall. Um, so that great presentation is always great, as well as we are able to get um, the word out about resources and services to those who may be experiencing some challenges there. The uh, clothing for the community was, an, was a brainchild of one of our, what we call link crews, which are the, the, the groups that work together. Uh, this group was called the Pink Posse. And their idea was to do um, clothing exchange. And they wanted to, they talked about the waste um, with the clothing, um, which this was really a fortunate one. It was one of the first times that we were able to partner with uh, District 1 uh, Council Office. And we participated in two events, uh, one August 26th and the other one uh, September 30th uh, out at um, North Natomas Regional Park, um, where there was actually a closed swap demonstration. Um, and very, very proud of those young people and the success that they had with that and bringing that to fruition from their dream. Just a couple of other ones um, that were uh, presented to council uh, were the career pathways, talking about just different ways to enhance opportunities for youth to find pathways into employment and find out what their passions were. 
um, unlocking the home. That one was just about making sure that people are able to um, have a structure in a, in, a, in, a, in a domicile to live in. And then the last one at the bottom there is about uh, the fentanyl uh, crisis. Um, we, we were very proud that those young people took that on. Um, it actually educated us a lot around some of the fentanyl crisis that we weren't aware of in the young uh, people's population. Um, and that one was also, um, we were asked by a local school district to provide some information that we shared um, as a part of their school education around fentanyl abuse. Returning youth, this group is really what we call our peer mentors. What the returning youth are, those are students who participated in the program previously, and they come back to ask, act as mentors to the current students who are coming in. So this year we had nine returning, mentor, peer, uh, returning youth peer mentor students. Um, you'll see that they engage in over 198 hours of training pre-program. Um, so they come in probably around January, and we work with them all the way through to our parent orientation, which this year happened on June the 3rd. Um, and then in program, um, they participated in the 1,674 hours where they supported the program, kind of acted like TAs, like teacher assistants. Um, they ran link crews. They were able to do small and large group instruction. Really, really a, a volatile part of our uh, Project City Hall project, seeing how they've already done the project. They were able to bring back a lot of information to share to support those groups, um, as well as they are a part of our morning session. We do a general session every morning at 8.30, uh, where we all are in chamber and we talk about today, what's gonna happen, how the week is gonna go, answer any questions. And the uh, returning youth peer mentors are instrumental in doing like icebreakers, warm-up activities, just to kind of kick off today. Um, another fun thing we do every year is our annual community service day where we collaborate with the LNL program, um, the youth commissioners, and we go out. The last couple of years we've gone to Williamland Park and really done some cleanup projects there. Um, and so it's an opportunity really for some kind of peer-to-peer -peer social development. Um, you know, post-COVID we are really working with our youth to bring them back to that social space where they can collaborate with each other and feel comfortable in that, safe in that space. This is an opportunity for that to happen. Um, so the social part of it, I think, for me is, is the highlight, watching them and seeing them work together and, you know, formulate teams, get to know new people, and just have a different experience. One of our great supporters of our community service today is the Department of Utilities. They come out and do a great demonstration and exhibits about the work that they do. We also have great food out there. <laughs> we bring food trucks and other fun stuff out there for them. Um, this year, <clears throat> again, we were able to actually, back in person full, we were able to uh, provide nine field trips off-site, which was really um, a fun part uh, for the students. We were able to do some walking field trips. We were able to actually um, secure some buses and do some busing field trips, which um, hadn't been done in a really long time uh, since pre-COVID. So we did a visit American River College. We were guests of... Um, Dean Stewart, uh, who is the Dean of Instruction, him and his team, they hosted us there. They did a great presentation on dual enrollment. Um, that was really important to us because we wanted to kind of set students on the path to secondary education, and, and, we, and we have now created that as a component of summer at City Hall, that we will always do a dual enrollment education component in the summer. Um, 
the Capitol, of course, we went there. We had wonderful tours at the Capitol. Uh, we went to the California Museum where there is an advocacy exhibit that they have each year. It was great to bring the students there and get them to be able to engage with the historical part of the museum as well as learn about the advocacy that has happened in Sacramento. Um, we visited uh, the federal courthouse, Robert Matsui Courthouse. We were uh, hosted there for an entire day, our entire program. We took all of the students there. Um, and we had lunch there. We were um, uh, visited with, by one of the judges there. So we just had an amazing day at the courthouse. Uh, and then we actually, for this year, knew um, our IT team um, invited us to go to the Metropolitan Cable TV station, which is right down the street. It was a walking field trip. It was an opportunity for students to see different ways to um, kind of bring awareness to what their topics were. So if, whether it was social media, whether it was learning behind the camera type of things, but that was a new opportunity that we will continue to do each summer. A couple of things I just wanted to um, also share you know, we heard everybody kind of talk about staffing being an issue for them. So of course, that's a glaring issue for everyone. I think if I had to speak about our challenge for the summer, I would probably say it was our staffing. Um, because we, you know, we have 68, 70, hopefully 90 students this coming year that will be moving through City Hall. Um, and so sometimes space is the issue, but more than less, we need to have more staff that are here to support. Um, basically, because we have ratios, if we leave site, we have a, a smaller number of students per adult. Um, and so having um, people who are 18 or older to work for a six-week period is kind of challenging. So we're still working on developing strategies for that, but I just wanted to say that because I know that has been a consideration for each of the groups that has come up. Uh, staffing continues to be an issue for, for, for us as well. Um, and so I just wanted to make sure that I shared that, as well as looking at um, this year we, we have some strategic things happening with Sarah around our staffing issues. And so that is the end of my presentation and for Summer at City Hall. If there are any questions, I'll be more than happy to take them. Okay, well, we'll do it at the end. All right, perfect. Well, Dominique, uh, our program coordinator for Sacramento Youth Commission. Hey, thank you, Rhonda. Good evening, Chair Vasquez and Commissioners. My name is Dominique Herndon, and I serve as the Program Coordinator for the Sacramento Youth Commission, and I'm here to give an overview of this, the commission this year. So we're going to start with the history. In 1993, SYC was established as an advisory body to the Council Committee on Neighborhood Safety. In 1997, SYC became an advisory body for City Council. And in 2001, SYC expanded to 22 members with established duties and powers. <clears throat> in June 2019, SYC was codified and became an official advisory body and the official voice of the city of Sacramento. Since codification, there has been 48 commissioners seated. All right, Sacramento Youth Commission's missions, duties, and powers. The mission of SYC is to preserve, enhance, advance, and protect the quality of life of youth in Sacramento. And the commission does this by providing recommendation and advice to city council, the city's youth development policy manager, and other city departments through their powers and duties. SYC business meetings happen right here the first Monday of the month, here from at 6 o'clock. 
And those meetings provide opportunities for city council, the youth policy development policy manager, and youth parks and community enrichment department and other city leaders to receive direct youth feedback, advice, and recommendation. In addition to the business meeting, SYC also participates in capacity building trainings. These trainings happen every third Monday of the month. And these trainings are to promote a safe and inclusive space that allows youth commissioners to network, broaden their skills, and develop new skills that will support them not in, only in their role as commissioners, but beyond. These capacity building trainings are also um, centered around the city's youth development framework. So far this year, we have had six capacity building trainings, and these are some of them. One that's missing that we will talk about is SYC 101 Back to Basics. I do want to get into some of these capacity building trainings because they are rich and they are very intentional. Um, so the first one I want to talk about is SMART goals, our first training. Um, and during this training, we discussed the importance of having and setting goals. We introduced SMART goals, we crafted the goals and discussed them, and then we recrafted our goals, or the commissioners recrafted their goals to make them SMART. Something that really stood out during this training was watching and hearing commissioners kind of transform their goals at the top of training to very vague and to at the end of it coming out with some SMART goals that they actually said that they would implement after training actually in, in school and beyond. Another training I would like to highlight is um, how to be a dynamic leader, a strength-based approach, part one and part two. It was important not to only share with commissioners the different leadership styles and skills, but for them to first to identify their strengths and to, to assist them in how they lead. So during this training, we took the strength finder assessment or the commissioners took the strength finders assessment they reviewed and discussed their strengths. They participated in peer-to-peer -peer learning with some of the returning youth from summer at City Hall and participated in a leadership gallery walk. Something that really stood out about this training was, was the commissioner's desire and their curiosity to discover their strengths, which led to a rich discussion around how they can use their strengths as commissioners. Commissioners also shared that they would take their new understanding of leadership and actually implement it and apply it at school within their organizations or in their clubs. So I have one commissioner who was actually a vice president of her club. She said she would take this information and she would implement it at her club. One last one, I said we would do SYC 101 back to basics and we will. Um, during this training, we. The, part, the commissioners participated in a test your knowledge gallery walk based on basic commissioner information pulled from the handbook, <clears throat> the guide to facilitation, and council rules and procedures. Um, they also participated in discussion um, around commissioner uh, expectations and communication. And they participated in building community through culture. Um, something that really stood out during this training was the commissioner's appreciation um, actually, our new commissioner's appreciation that we had the time and took the time to go back and cover that foundational information, that 101 back to basics for them. All right, some capacity building training data um, that I wanted to make sure in an effort to hear directly from commissioners about their experience and the effect effectiveness of capacity building training. Um, I crafted a survey and here are some of the data. 100% of the commissioners strongly agree or agree that capacity building trainings are safe and positive environments. 100% of, of commissioners 
agree or strongly agree that their voices are heard at capacity building training. 100% of commissioners strongly agree or agree that capacity building trainings improve their interpersonal skills with other commissioners. 100% of commissioners strongly agree or agree that capacity building trainings has assisted them in communicating more effectively. 90% of commissioners strongly agree or agree that capacity building training sharpened their critical thinking skills and 100% of commissioners strongly agree or agree that they have good working relationships with fellow commissioners and adult allies. And I think that really goes back to what I was saying, the richness and the intentionality behind this capacity building training. So I wanted to make sure that you know, I shared that and highlighted that. All right. The Sacramento Youth Commission annual report. So this was a large accomplishment for the commission this year. Um, and within the report, they have three areas of focus. The first focus being uh, Sacramento Youth Voice, where commissioners are working to establish an awareness campaign via social media to broaden SYC's reach. The next one is youth mental health, where commissioners are working to develop a mental health resource guide that can be disseminated throughout the city and Aggie Square, and commissioners are actually working with city staff, Wexford Science, and UC Davis to develop listening sessions near the Aggie Square site to ensure that youth in that neighborhood have a voice in the programming that will be implemented. Commissioner highlights and accomplishments. So this year, our commissioners have been serving from, from behind the dais, but as well in their community. I'm going to just highlight a few. Commissioner Fong actually gave a very impassioned and inclusive speech at this year's raising of the pride flag here at City Hall. Commissioner Morley served as a youth researcher um, in the Youth Excel Initiative headed by the mayor's office to gather data around the barriers that youth are facing when trying to access jobs in the STEM field. And Commissioner Rio, Rios actually participated in this year's 916 day at Gardenland Park. And these are our commissioners this year. So the Sacramento Youth Commission actually have 13 appointed members out of 19 vacant or out of 19 seats. Youth have been appointed from every district besides just one. Um, current commissioners age range right now from 14 to 20 and to serve as a youth commissioner, the age range is 14 to 24. All right, I wanted to end the presentation, this part of the presentation from hearing directly from commissioners um, and, and their takeaways from capacity building training. So I'm just gonna read the last one from Commissioner Fong who says, my biggest takeaway has been that there are different ways to be a leader and communication is essential. Before the capacity building trainings, I never really thought I could be a good leader of anything important because I am not very assertive or confident in public speaking and leading. However, capacity building trainings has taught me that there are all sorts of excellent leaders and anyone can be a leader if they put the time and effort into it. That's it, thank you. Amazing. <laughs> they did so great, right? I mean, okay. Yes. So I heard the clap. Absolutely. Um, appreciate it. We're here to answer any questions that you may have. Good job. Thank you. Well, first we'll turn it over to the members of the public. Any members of the public wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. There are no speakers for this item. Wonderful. All right. Commissioner Gallardo Good. I just wanted to applaud you for the work that you're doing. It's really making a difference in the lives of others. And just the fact that you're getting to 
work so closely with youth. I mean, this is an experience of a lifetime. And so um, I applaud the work that you're doing. And thank you again, um, Monica, for all the leadership that you've exhibited and the work that you do, um, civic engagement. I mean, that's, that's my passion is civic engagement. And I'm actually doing a dissertation on the impact that it has on the lives of um, students in higher education. And just, just so you know, everything that you talked about tonight is spot on based on data. So thank you for your work that you do. Commissioner Robbins. Yes, thank you for the presentation. Um, I'm kind of piggybacking on discussion before. I was like, there's only a few Twin River schools in there, and um, it's really excluding uh, District 2 on there. We only had one child come through District 2 in your program. We really need that. How can we add this to, like, say, Grant High School, the only high school in District 2, and we could add that up and spread the demographic in that area, which needs it in Del Paso Heights? And so I would love to hear how we could expand the program to that. Um, so again, we are um, strategically doing planning around our outreach and recruitment and really trying to create a more robust plan for it. Um, our target school currently is Grant, and we actually have scheduled two outreach opportunities with Grant in the next 30 days. So we will be, we've, we've connected with their counselors, we've connected with their um, school administrators, and so we, we are targeting Grand High School to increase enrollment from there for sure. Twin Rivers is a district that has the least amount of uh, slots secured with their MOU, um, and we do struggle sometimes trying to get them, like we'll have the number there and then those students will drop out. A uh, part of it is also because the district liaisons that we work with um, have the ability to um, kind of do more exploration into the um, requirements that are that are necessary for enrollment. An example would be if a student needs summer school, then they wouldn't be eligible for the program. But we are working directly with our um, Twin Rivers liaison to kind of come up with some, some planning processes as well as other officials in Twin Rivers. So we are aware that that is kind of a great area for us and we are working on that. So thank you for asking that. Thank you so much. Let's get some Pacers in City Hall. Commissioner Flores. I have a few comments and a few questions. Uh, the first one, uh, Vice Chair is no longer here with us tonight. And if you go back to the, the summer at City Hall and the District 8, one, it identified one person from District 8. Uh, so like our question, we were kind of brainstorming that is, is the way that person was identified, and there was also a large at-large bucket like, so if that person identified District 8 or at, at large, but maybe that was their school that was identified, so therefore technically wasn't District 8, but they live in District 8, like, it, was there some sort of, like, math error or, like, yeah, because I, I, and I also saw, like, Sac New Tech High School technically is not District 8, but I know those students come from different areas of the, of the population, but... Uh, the, the metric said one, and I think District 5 also had a one on it. So is there a little bit of yeah. some accounting it, it error can, in that? It can appear to be a little bit of skew based on, you are correct. Um, our at-large students may be counted as that District 8-1. Um, part of it, again, is that they do live within the city limits, but they are not attending um, a school that's one of our partner schools. So, yes, that's a, a different... Um, lens to look at for our de for our, our demographics. So I will I will take that into consideration. Okay, because I, I I have a feeling that there, there would probably be more students in that populate that. But if they identified the if the school was the identifying marker, 
then it's not District 8 or District 5 in that sense. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just real quick. So, uh, for instance, we had one of our Twin River students goes to Highlands High School, not in city limits, also does not live in city limits. However, that's a school identified by Twin Rivers Unified School District as a target school. So we received students from there. So she was placed in, I think, we, District 2 is where she identified as. Um, so there are some of those things. And we are also making a plan to make sure that that's a little bit clear. Um, and where we're getting that information. Okay. Uh, we, we suspected some of that was going on, so we just wanted to at least ask that. It is, that. indeed. Yeah. And then going to the, uh, to the uh, SAC Youth Commission um, portion of my com uh, comments, um, th that 101 presentation, uh, especially one of the, one of the uh, buckets was the commissioners feeling like, the, how does one, as a commissioner, take up space and then taking that back to the community? Like how can one be a leader and then uh, be you know, being strong as a commissioner and then taking it back to their community? Because that's, that's not a youth, uh, uh, youth specific like issue. That's a, an adult, <laughs> it, it translates up to us as well. Like how it, when we become commissioners, we are that community liaison and how does one fill that space and being that liaison and what does it mean to be a commissioner and being active in the community so that is not uniquely a youth feeling like we need that 101 as i guess my my comment for that so in having that sentiment i know one of the things that then chair good uh helped oversee was a joint meeting with the youth commission and our parks uh, commission meeting I know it was during the COVID era, so Zoom allowed for a space uh, to have like 30 of us in that space. But I I'm wondering now post-COVID, and we've heard this now in multiple uh, uh, presentations tonight, we're in the post-COVID era, things are now returning back to pre-COVID ideas. But in that, like we can't have 30 of us sitting up here. Uh, so maybe that's a, a marker for next year because the, the logistics of having all of us in a one room mic'd up and then broadcast and all that stuff. I, I think there's a good, but I don't want to have a meeting to have a meeting. And I think like that, uh, that CBT, I forget uh, the, the capacity building, capacity building uh, training and that one-on-one, some of those topics and some of those surveys could then be the North Star of a joint meeting like that. Because like I said, some of those life skills that they're doing as a youth just becoming an adult, but we're adults who are having those same issues. So I think there's a there's a there there's a conversation to be had there, and I think uh, I don't I just don't want to have the, the two of us that are still on this commission who were in that joint meeting. I would love for that opportunity for the for us new commissioners who are here and um, to have a joint meeting and have a discussion. I think there's there's a there's a north star there, and the, your presentation what they're learning. Man, some of us need that too. So, and that's not just commission work; that's also professional lives and all that stuff. So, I will stop there. But that you you blew my mind there. So, uh, I I would love to have uh, uh, to be help in some of those discussions. I think there there's some great discussions. We're all professionals from different backgrounds that we could love. We would love to have advice. And and one of your one of your cornerstone things that you did under your term, it needs to be replicated again in this new post-COVID era. So. And the idea was to listen, to listen to them. Like we needed to hear from them and learn from them, and we did. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, and just for clarity, a lot of us were at a joint youth commission meeting, not just the two of you. <laughs> Favorite meeting of the year. Okay, apologies. Okay, thank you. <laughs> 
We are not chopped liver over here. We were there too. <laughs> it's okay. Um, agreed. And we have asked, um, but unfortunately with the new um, rules, we're not supposed to have joint commission meetings anymore. So that was something that uh, we had asked for and wanted and um, it is discouraged and we are not allowed to have a joint commission meeting. Um, and typically I save my result, my uh, responses for the end, but you took all my, you took all my ones for, for this. So um, I also would like to take the training, even if it is youth focused, <laughs> I would like to take it myself. Um, and yes, I really, I very much miss the joint uh, youth commission meeting. Uh, Commissioner Boone. If you could see all my notes, I have a lot of hearts. So, so much gratitude and appreciation for the work you're doing and your team. Um, I'll just list off the four hearts that are like here right now. Um, I love the response that you gave Commissioner Robbins about your plan um, to recruit students from Grant. Like, I think we always ask this question, like, what is the plan? And you're the first um, city staff person to come up and say, like, I've already considered that and this is what I'm doing. So, like, major uh, respect in, in uh, appreciation to your love of your craft. Um, another heart I had was just your uh, desire to solicit feedback from the students, because I think that's crucial, right? Like we design these things and we have these amazing intentions, but sometimes the impact uh, doesn't quite deliver. So I, I thank you for one, making that intention to hear from them and probably improve the program, but then sharing that with us so that we know this is something that they're on board with and that they actually truly benefit from. Um, the Aggie Square, partnership or intentionality. I love that there's like a tangible real life, how is the world gonna look when you're of age to work and how can you directly influence um, positions that are available to you in the training. Um, I live in Oak Park, I own a home in Oak Park and I've gone to the, the community uh, conversations with Aggie Square and they do talk about how the youth will have an opportunity to get training and get certification and I'm like, again, um, amazed that that conversation probably derived from this very program. So thank you for that intentionality. And then my last heart is the project at City Hall. Again, around the solicitation around, around what youth want to learn and what they want to share with, with the community. I think that's incredible because they are learning a lot of, of things about our world and, and how it's made up and things that we kind of uh, not necessarily take for granted, but like become numb to, they're probably like, you know, like fentanyl is very much a crisis on campus. Um, and this is how we suggest you address that. So thank you for that. And I hope that program continues. And if I could ever be in partnership with, with your team, I would love that. Um, I had two um, suggestions if, I'm, if I could. Um, and this is probably already a consideration because I know in the primetime team, it's a thing. But for the education piece, or maybe it's the CBT piece, is there a financial preparedness, like how to be responsible with budgeting and managing your monies, like at that age? So as a part of our uh, summer at City Hall life skill workshops, we do do a, a financial literacy workshop with okay. both Chase um, and, um, what's the other, Safe Credit Unions. Okay. Um, we have not yet, um, made a, uh, the financial literacy a part of our commissioner training track, but it has, of course, again, been a discussion. Um, so we do um, now have in process annual training tracks for both Summer at City Hall and the Sacramento Youth Commission so that we know that we're hitting those targets that are going to be, um, you know, best to benefit them. So awesome. That is, uh, and I have training and certification in that, and so I'm happy to share resources um, from the, I use work for the Department of Defense, and I'm happy to, like, pass that information along because at their age, there's a lot of like predatory lending, um, especially when they age into college, and then it's like, you're on your own, and here's your credit card, and so 
just learning how to like navigate that space and, and be wise about it um, when a lot of the a lot of times this is their first time having access to, to cash that's not like your parent giving you an allowance. Um, and then my second suggestion was around the community service day. Um, I know there's like over a decade worth of, of years, but it, it seemed like the last three, the focus was land park. And I'm curious if there's a desire to branch out um, and maybe like service the areas that some of these students come from and work in partnership with the commission to, to identify um, a park that would need, be in need of service. Um, for our community service day, our initiatives have been spearheaded by our, our workforce development LNL work group. Okay. We basically um, come into uh, areas that they are currently working. Um, their their uh, programming has already started in that during our summer period of time. And so usually we are um, designated to the area where we work based on where they are working. To support them. But there are certainly opportunities for expansion to do other types of community service projects as well as other locations. Awesome. Okay. Um, and that's it. Those, those are my comments. I just wanted to add, there is some flexibility in terms of location. One of the things that staff are looking at is uh, our summer at City Hall program is here at City Hall. Um, and then they were just addressing the other piece about where uh, LNL is currently working. So they're really trying to find something centralized that folks can get to and spend a good chunk of the day doing community service. But we'll add that to the discussions and um, address the flexibility piece. Yes, and I'm sure like we just got out of 916 day there's plenty of things that we could maybe like plant a seed for with LNL so that they time it and it's not like you have to come in and start from the ground up um, regarding 916 day I just would like to add that um, this year I think we missed an opportunity to include the youth commission as a part of the 916 day and looking forward to next year I would really like to engage in those conversations and include the youth commissioners that's noted thank you Noted. Yes. Um, I just wanted to say too, in terms of um, service learning and community service projects, we are looking at finding opportunities where we can engage the youth commission. Um, it's a little simpler for us to do summer at City Hall in that six-week span and have something planned. But for the Youth Commission, because of the way they work, we have capacity building, we only meet twice a month. Looking at those opportunities to bring in some more community outreach for them is a project that Dominique is uh, currently working on. Wonderful, thank you. Commissioner King. Yes, thank you for your presentation. Um, my question centers around transportation for the summer at City Hall program. Uh, do you guys provide transportation and or public transportation vouchers that students in areas like District 5 or um, some of the lower socioeconomic areas would have access to it during school time? Um, do you offer anything like that? Um, one of the presentations that we do is from um, RT, um, and we have them come, and one of the things we do is we make sure that every student receives a free ride RT card for summer, um, so that it gives them the access to, to come to City Hall. Okay, do they get that while they're in the program, though? What if they need it in order to apply? Like, they aren't sure they will have transportation to the program. Do you offer anything like that ahead of time as an um, offered we, service? I, yeah, I think that is a discussion uh, item for us. Um, it's something that we could include in our application process. Is transportation and you know a, a needed viable thing? Is it an issue for you? Do you need transportation to and from City Hall? Um, we have also because we've included the um, 
inclusion statement uh, for, for those who may have some disabilities or challenges that we know going forward will be included in our application. So this is just another piece that we, we can include in our application to make sure that for the orientation they're able to get here. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, I think you'd get a lot more participants from some other areas, uh, my district, District 5, um, if you offered that ahead of time, pre-planning. So thank, thank you. you. Bravo. I'm so glad we clapped after all that because that's amazing. What a, a wonderful presentation. And as a parent of someone who graduated from summer at City Hall this year, um, as detailed and thorough as your presentation was, there's no way you could ever pack in the amount of learning that my child experienced this summer. Almost brings me to tears. Um, just from the, the, the way to professionally shake someone's hand she's taken with her. No, Mom, this is how you pump someone's hand when you shake their hand. Um, those life skills. That is so valuable. Um, and uh, for a, a senior this year to be take her uh, first bus ride by herself uh, with her free RT pass and to make um, a, a peer, um, like a cohort of peers, people who wanted to spend their summer doing civic engagement. That's not a big group that we're talking about, folks, right? These are people who were really meant to meet one another. Um, and the friendships that she made, she still has now throughout the school year, even though they're spread out amongst all of those schools. Um, especially the, uh, the field trip to the TV station, and to be able to uh, see themselves on camera and see themselves in a, a way that's very um, foretelling and just to have that, that general poise. Um, and I'd like to uh, report that last night one of your summer at City Hall students ran the registration table for a very large community meeting uh, alongside Commissioner Boone and I uh, with grace and poise in what could have been a very contentious meeting um, with the skills that she had learned throughout the summer with you. So thank you so much for that. Um, very, very impressed with the curriculum, uh, with the uh, ability that you have to work with so many kids every single day from 8.30 in the morning. You held on to those students throughout the summer. Um, she had a, um, I can only speak for, for my student in the program, but she had a desire to get up and find a professional outfit to wear to summer at City Hall um, and be there on time. She was getting me here on time, 8.30 in the morning, summer at City Hall. That's impressive too. Um, so uh, she felt respected and she wanted to share that respect back to you. Um, I was able to see your city hall presentation when all of your groups came and presented to city council. And I cried, I wept through the fentanyl uh, presentation. Um, Jackie and Shannon handed me a tissue because I was so moved um, by the compassion they had, the concern that they have, the fear that they had. Um, you know, there was a like sex trafficking presentation and these things that are so real and in their everyday life. Um, I feel that the, the uh, facial expressions of all of the city council members was very shocking, like, oh, wow, like, wow, that's what you're dealing with and wow, this is what you're feeling and wow, this is what you're, you're bringing to us. And so I'm so glad that those PSAs worked out. I'm so glad that one of those ideas turned into a real live event for the clothing swap. What a beautiful, wonderful idea in this day of fast fashion to prioritize resiliency in, in clothing and to share and be inclusive. Just so incredibly impressed. Um, thank you so, so much for that. Um, and I, would, I will bring it back up and hope that maybe we can um, bring together a joint commission meeting, even if it's maybe at a capacity building, if we can't get around the, the joint meetings, maybe there's a way we can work together um, to help to guide and to learn from and to listen to and to find out, um, you know, how can we collaborate, especially with 916 Day. Thank you for that, for that reminder. Um, I want to add one more thing, and then I want to ask a question. 
One more accolade I had was the food safety. I really appreciate the partnership with the school district to provide the food and uh, the accommodations for food allergy and how incredibly safe your students with food allergies were. They were supported, they were accommodated, um, and I applaud you for that. I thank you for that, for treating that with respect. Um, so here's my question. The teachers that, you, that are hired, that, uh, are they the same every year? Do they rotate out? How is that process? So the, the um, Sacramento Unified School District, again, does the um, recruitment for those teachers, um, but there is an application period. And so even the teachers who were here the previous year are required to apply. Um, all of the interviews are then um, done at the Cerner Center. Um, our team, of course, participates in the question, uh, the Q&A panel. Um, and then we kind of, in a collaborative effort, uh, look at what teachers uh, we think would be the most qualified and bring the best um, experience to the youth. So um, over, I think, a period of probably seven to eight years, we did have the same teachers. Uh, this was the first year that we did not have any of those teachers. Um, and so it was uh, so a little bit of a challenge for us as a team um, because we had all new staff. Of course, some of us were new. Um, it being my third summer, and Maria's not here, but I think it's her ninth summer, so um, she was able to really spearhead a lot of the things. And again, in my third summer, I was able to kind of bring up uh, the back, but we were also, you know, educating new uh, returning youth peer mentors. We had new teachers, so we had a lot of new going on. We were back again uh, for the first time in person um, in a few years, so it was a lot of a lot of movement uh, things, but I think that we were able to kind of conquer some of our fears there, kind of uh, meet those expectations that we had for ourselves, each other, and the program. Um, but again, the, the, the teachers are selected based on application. And do you collect feedback from the graduates about the teacher interaction? We do. We actually do um, exit uh, post-program surveys, and we do them not only for the peer mentors, we do them for the teachers, we also do them for our participants. Uh, we do debrief sessions with teachers, any support staff that we have, as well as our returning youth peer mentors, and then ourselves. So we probably have debriefed that program about 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, I love to hear that. Um, and I hope that we can, uh, through your concentrated efforts, spread uh, the welfare of that program across our district and across our city um, and see some more uh, prioritization. I believe you said earlier, uh, targeted for lack of a better word, let's use like prioritized or focused upon, right? Let's make sure we're focusing upon and prioritizing uh, districts that had a lower enrollment level this year and I'm very happy to help um, as these commissioners will be too. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. You. All right, this item is received and filed. No vote is required and we'll move on to our standing updates. We've got 916 day. Thank you, Mrs. Reed. Hello, commissioners. 916 Day. So I feel like all of your guys' 916 Day projects went really well. Unfortunately, Joe, I was unable to make it to yours due to my COVID, but I made it to every single other one. Commissioner King, I didn't get to yours until 11 o'clock, and you had one youth person there, and she was on her way home and on the phone, but I did get to see it. Um, so you guys did all did a really great job. The updates I have right now are that we are waiting on the sponsorship donations to come into our gifts to share account so that we can start processing those reimbursements. I know Robbie, you have asked. And so, um, you know, just as soon as we get those in, we can start processing those and then with whatever's left over, we're planning to use for the reception. 
marketing is working on a video clip to show the progress, the before, during, and after progress. Um, so that will be coming at the November thank you meeting for the PCEC, um, like the big thank you reception. And then hopefully we can get on the city council agenda to just be shown at city council really quickly. They have a really big, you know, robust agenda, so we can't take up too much of their time. But, um, and then let's see. Oh, so when we do have the thank you reception, we will be providing an overview of the project and volunteer stats. So this is like, how many yards of mulch did we use? How many volunteer hours? How many volunteers and all of that we have? The interesting thing about it is that we, we have all of the active net registrations. Um, and then we did get a few of the volunteer waiver signs, um, the sign-in sheets. But I have a sneaking suspicion there were more volunteers than what we have record of. Um, and I don't want to make it like a, a huge like, you know, challenge between all of you guys. Um, Joe, you won. But that's because you had the, I feel like that's because you had the kickoff. So, um, but yeah, so I feel like we need to maybe next year, one of the things that we can do better is have a better registration, um, like just a table, like you don't even get a tool until you register uh, or sign a waiver. So, um, but yeah, so the Gmail addresses, Toria Chair Vasquez that she wanted, um, I wanted to make sure that you knew that those were up on the website. Uh, thankfully, Ray was able to make that happen for us. We're still in the middle of this web migration thing, so there might be you know, a couple snafus here and there, but your eyes and ears are super important. So if you do ever notice any more like typos or information that should be on there, I think at one point you were the District 5 rep and now you're back to 6. Um, so that all, that all works out. But as of right now, just based on the numbers of registration that we that we have recorded plus the waivers that we have. It says that we had 291 volunteers. Um, so I think that number is a little low because I feel like there were like 291 over at Joe's. But um, I was, again, I wasn't there, I just saw it on TV. So, um, but next year's goal is for us, I think um, our little committee meets every Friday. Uh, Victoria, Chair Vasquez and I meet and last, time we met, we were talking a little bit more about less tree plantings because those are the types of things that cause us to have ongoing maintenance. And as you guys know, the baby trees need a lot of water and a lot of attention. So um, unless we have like volunteer groups that will go out there and give the extra attention and the extra water, I think we need to make a shift a little bit more towards, you know, beautifying park benches or uh, painting the gazebos like um, Commissioner Herman did over at Zapata Park. Um, I think uh, Vice Chair Gaines, she had an entire backstop that was deteriorated, falling apart, a uh, little baseball field that no one would ever use. And that one was probably the most impactful because you could see it, it was in the, the middle of a main thoroughfare. So you could see from the road just such a change just by driving by. But they were all great projects. Um, and I can't wait to have the thank you reception as soon as those sponsorship dollars come in. Thank you, and thank you for all of your dedication and all of your hard work. Um, we've got a cue for you, Commissioner Flores. Thank you, and thank you for saying my name multiple times <laughs> for various reasons. Uh, no, but thank, but thank you. I know you were the, the backbone of a lot of the logistics, and then uh, I know probably, I, I, I suspect most everybody 
during their events thank staff, but like publicly thank the entire division of Yipsy for for help, helping out. I know that that was a big lift uh, for the entirety of the system. I know I wasn't at the post wrap up meeting because uh, I, I, I was uh, on a flight back to Sacramento. Uh, I, I, in, in saying thank you to the division and hearing like, hey, yeah, some of the tree plantings, you know, it, there's that extra, uh, it's that extraness of a tree planting that, that brings the division. Maybe there's, we can explore opportunities. I, heard, I hear you loud and clear, Monica. Uh, we, we can do better with uh, the Youth Commission and Parks Commission, so I think that should, you know, that, that could be a North Star for next year. And then maybe also doubling up or partnership amongst us here in the commissioner. So that takes a couple of, uh, instead of eight events, it takes a couple of them off the board. So that, that alleviates some of, the, some of the capacity of the big lift across the department. I think we can, I think um, that could be explored to how, how can we be impactful and how can we double up? And some of our parks are almost at shared locations or shared ideas. And then one, one byproduct from this year that you just can't plan for, but it just came from happenstance and came from, uh, from six and three for sure, uh, was the honoring of the families or honoring of the, of, uh, of the neighbors of why some of these neighborhoods were even named their, 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 their uh, sub-neighborhood names to begin with. And that's the spirit of 916 Day, right? Like right. honoring uh, uh, like the Oki family in six, like that, to me, that's like triple wins. You're, you're, you're doubling up and you're, you're not being fair in that sense. So, <laughs> um, uh, so, so I think, in, in, in uh, apologies for not being in that wrap up meeting, but I think those are some of like the carryaways. Yes, one saying thank you to the system, thank you to Parks, and then how can we help alleviate and take some stuff off the board, but by doing partnerships and then bringing in more partners uh, from from our, our sister uh, organization, sister uh, uh, commission. So uh, I, I look forward to the future. Um, and I look forward to the videos and all that stuff. So I'll stop there. Commissioner Robbins. Yeah, thank you guys. Our staff was everywhere. Deanna, we have an ongoing joke that we're cousins now. We see each other every <laughs> other week. And so, but um, we did have our youth commissioner out there. Rios has been awesome you helped plant the um not plant but um build the community library we did at uh Garland park and we did honor the robles family like you said korea telemontes gave a declaration to them for being in the Gardenland neighborhood for over 100 years it was really sweet and that was really uh, the piggyback and like you said dude it had to be at least 100 people at Gardenland. and so yeah we had to go back and backtrack and see how many volunteers were there but it was just an awesome event thank you staff uh javier shout out to you guys uh and uh, you know out there i know you guys didn't go to only one part they went to every park that day, so gas mileage was up. And our commissioners, rolling up your sleeves. I mean, everybody is working hard that day. So thank you guys for giving back. And yeah, we'll look at other ways, uh, other than not just planting trees, but giving back some other ways. So thank you so much. We're sharing the mic. <laughs> Um, or Lindsay, do you want to go ahead? <laughs> thank you. I just want to say thank you to all the park staff, um, not only the admin team, the coordinating team, of course, Deanna, but also the actual maintenance team uh, at, at the local regions. Um, it was super, like a lot of teamwork, a lot of coordination, and so just super excited about having um, this opportunity to celebrate 916 Day. Um, and at, at District 1, we did a garden um, planting and uh, putting in a bark. And we had a lot of youth participation. We had a lot of high schools um, involved. So I think we had over like 
40, I want to say, youth. And so just putting that out there, there was a lot of youth involvement. Um, there's also younger kids also involved. So it was a really good uh, collaborative um, event. and just want to thank everyone for their support. Commissioner King. I will also thank the park staff. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing effort on everybody's part. Could not thank um, the local team at Woodbine enough. Um, just everything that the staff did day of and in preparation, just getting projects done, getting equipment there, making sure things were happening day of was incredible. Um, you guys have amazing people on your staff, and um, you guys are very blessed. Uh, we're blessed to have you guys, so thank you again. Um, I would like for next year to, yeah, have a little bit of direction, I think. So, like, as a new commissioner, I just planted trees because I knew how to do that. So, um, next year, maybe we could have projects that, you know, you guys set aside for us, or we come together um, and, and, and plan them ahead of time. Uh, that way we know, um, you know, where's the most need and uh, what's going to be the most impactful for our different districts. I think this is going to be really helpful. Wonderful. That's a really good point, right? Making sure we're knowing now where do our community members really want that impact for next year. Commissioner Liu. I want to thank all the UFC staff, Deanna, Victoria, everybody was so like awed by your presentation on how to plant a tree. They're like, I learned so much today. And I heard that from at least five or six people. So they, that was really nice for you to come and do that. That was, and it was, everybody showed up that staff and Javier, they were, everybody just makes it, you know, it's a team. The Whenever you see it work like that, it just came out really nice. So the event was good. We had, we, you know, we had Robla Park came out, the Robla community, Naralto came out uh, to, um, you know, neighborhood came out and helped us get some trees planted in the mulch, and it was nice. So thank you for everything. Yeah, and I, I forgot to also mention, if we combined all of our partnerships and all of the logos that we all did collectively and like put it on a, like on a banner, I think that's another thing that you just couldn't, like, like the Girl Scouts in District 1, right? Like just the, the different amount of types of part, neighborhood associations, you know, college, youth kids, and then shout out to Commissioner King for being a good ambassador on KCRA 3 when they interviewed <laughs> you. So uh, just, it's just another way to, you know, put that stamp on like this is why we're doing it, and that got broadcast, and you were our, in that case, our our, our lead in that one. So, or they they interviewed you, and you were awesome on that piece. So, just you know, shout outs to that. But then that reflects the entirety of our collective teamwork too. So, I just want to, I couldn't not say that. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, my goodness, Ms. Reed, we could not have done this without you. <laughs> secret. A tireless participation. The list started where you started, which is uh, 291, 219. Okay, so here's well, the break. Do you guys want the full breakdown? No, 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 no. I'm just going to start. The total is 291. <laughs> yes, and I love that. And let's, I don't want to discount all of our staff that were there, right? All of our LNL, our staff that were repeat staff. And I really want to look at this as participants, right? Yes, this is the, the volunteerism day. 
uh, these are the registered volunteers we had, and we had a few hiccups along the way, with, and we learned a lot with the registration, the new registration process. We got a lot of feedback. Deanna, you've been so wonderful at collecting that feedback and uh, gearing us up for next year, and, and all of the behind-the-scenes work that you've been doing with Commissioner Boone. You set up very, very detailed uh, Google Docs for us to like list out every little thing that we needed, so that behind-the-scenes work uh, is not, uh, please let me publicly acknowledge it. It was fantastic. Um, so if we think about how many participants we had on each uh, campus, obviously, yes, we, we met our goal in, <laughs> in uh, amounts of um, relationship, right? So uh, specifically, uh, Commissioner Liu, how wonderful to meet your community leaders who have been calling in and we hear them on the phone but we haven't seen them in person and to be able to shake the hands of your community leaders, that was really special for me. Um, and how wonderful it is that our parks uh, supervisors and our parks maintenance workers got to meet the people who go to their park every day and be able to ask them directly like, hey, tell me about this sandbox. Um, that I come to every day. I think that relationship building was really, really special for the community members to actually meet park staff um, in an open environment where they're not like flagging them down because they see the truck in the park, right? When they felt comfortable to engage. Um, I really want to thank uh, our volunteer coordinator, Esteban Lopez, um, who, how can you register everyone coming in and bring the tools and teach the demo and everything that he did? What a superstar and a rock star. Uh, with a professional demeanor that is unending, with an optimism that doesn't quit, um, and with the heart of some, you, it's really obvious when you love what you do, and I'm so grateful that our volunteer coordinator is so specifically designed to work with volunteers, staff, and commissioners alike, right? That's seamless. So thank you, Esteban Lopez. Um, I thought it was really special that, um, that, um, our community members got to be like the first ones on the court after it was painted, which was really special at Oki Park. Uh, we were blessed with the Oki family, the Robo family. Um, I hope that we can continue to honor our families um, and their namesakes and their existing families um, and bring them to these events. It was very uh, humbling and special to be with the family. And for the family, the feedback I got from them is they're so grateful that uh, for everyone who came out to help and they were so interested in the renewed interest in their park. Um, and the Oki family in particular donated some of the trees that are not the typical types of trees we would plant, but literal trees, uh, the same species that were planted in their parents' front yard. Like what an honorary uh, special thing to do. And to speak to, you know, planting trees in the future or not planting trees in the future, you know, as we're all learning about trees, it is not in September the time to plant trees in Sacramento. And the farther we get along in climate change, the hotter it's going to be. So in, during some years, September might be just fine if we're having some storms. But as a rule, later is better. Um, so an honorary tree or two I think would be wonderful. But now that we have our deferred maintenance list shared with us, thank you for that coming through, we have a focus. We have a direction to hand to the amazing sponsors that another at-large commissioner brought to the table. Yeah. Commissioner Kangas brought us UC Davis Health. Commissioner Kangas brought us Rayleigh's, and Commissioner Kangas brought us SMUD, right? So we have community partners who want to partner with us. They are just asking us, how do we do it? What do you need, right? So now we are well-equipped. We've got a sponsorship package going. We have sponsors who want to be there again next year. We have people to reach out to, and we have a whole list of improvements that we need that we can take to the community and say, all right, which one do you want? How much does it cost? Mr. Aylesworth, who has to tally up all these numbers for us, um, who's here at the, at the end of my list. 
is that how amazing was it to see you at all of these different events, for you to put together all of these different projects and to be um, so flexible and professional and wonderful in helping us to get them all done. I really appreciate all the extra staff time. I really appreciate all of the um, staff who came to multiple events, working late, working early, and just doing everything you could to be a part of 916 Day. And I think for every single event that you attended, that you are counted at every event, right? That is a multiple participant uh, role. So I really want to thank you. You. Okay. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. It was so much fun learning about all your different districts and all your different needs. And you know, I went back earlier this week to check on all of the, because I'm a total control freak, and wanted to check on everybody's parks. I told Robbie, hey, someone broke into your little library. We got to get that fixed. So he put books in the next day. Lindsay, I 311'd a, uh, some sort of van that was towing a trailer. Um, Poor Commissioner Gaines, that beautiful backstop that she painted has already been tagged up, but facilities is all over it. So um, it's just going to be, you know, that's why we really need to lean heavily into our volunteer groups that you guys have all created so that, you know, the eyes and ears are out there everywhere, not just me. But um, it's important to see that because that's, you know, the sooner we get rid of it, the better off we are. So, but thank you guys. Thank you, Commissioner Flores, for making it all happen, for making this vision a dream and a reality. It's real, you did it, congratulations. Our next item um, would be our Youth Parks and Community Enrichment Director's Oral Report, please. Thank you, Chair. Okay, so you heard from a few of our teams tonight, so I won't, um, I won't repeat their, their presentations here, but fantastic job, and to all of our staff who've stuck around um, this evening. So some workforce development updates. Our fall LNL program is underway beginning this weekend. Uh, the team hired 70 youth aides that will begin training this Saturday with crews and they will be out in our parks the following weekend. LNL supervisors are working directly with our park supervisors to identify projects for this upcoming season. And we will have up to 16 roving crews um, for the fall season that will allow us to hit several parks across the city. Our primetime team program, we are currently accepting online registration uh, for the fall number two cohort, which will begin at the end of this month. That program will be hosted at George Sim and North Natomas Community Centers. More information and to register for that program, you can visit our website. For our WIOA program, we're currently recruiting youth and we have 32 slots approved for the current school year. Staff are continuing to do outreach at local high schools and alternative schools um, to provide presentations on campus and table during their events and lunch hours to recruit some participants. On October 14th, very excited to share, at the 28th and B Skate Park, we'll be hosting an event for youth ages zero to six, accompanied by an adult. Um, we are co-hosting an early learning, read, and skate event in partnership with the Sacramento Public Library. There will be a free story time from 10 to 11, and then from 11 to 12, we'll have a $3 entrance fee where participants can skate um, with, an instruct with instruction and youth-related music. Um, this event will also include sensory play and team-building activities, and it does include equipment for all of our young skaters. 
Registration and information for our junior MBA program is gonna be coming out this next month, so please stay tuned. That's for ages five to 14. And more information um, as it becomes available will be shared on our social media and on our youth sports program page on our website. Our Access Leisure Wheelchair Giants team recently traveled to Illinois where they played in the Wheelchair Softball World Series. We entered the, 20, entered the tournament as the 20th seed overall, and by the end we finished the tournament as the 10th seed. So even though our team was unable to win a division championship, they did have many individual accolades. Our catcher, Dwayne Nystrom, received an award for best quad player, and he made it to the Team USA. And then our female athlete, Thea Rose, who's also an employee, made it to the all-women's team. And then lastly, our coach, Miguel Cuevas, was unanimously voted for the highest honors as coach of the year for the 2023 Wheelchair Softball World Series. So very exciting time for our Access Leisure team. We have several special events coming up. Our Heart Senior Center is going to be hosting a Veterans Gallery celebrating Military Veterans Week the first week of November. Um, part of the celebrations will include gallery displaying, gallery displaying um, pictures and biographies of some of our local veterans. The public is encouraged to participate, and if you would like more information or are interested in participating, you can contact Janine Thorpe at the Hart Senior Center. Our community centers have a full schedule of free fall and Halloween special events. I'll list a few here, but they are all on our events webpage um, on Facebook and also on our website. We'll have a Halloween bingo night, actually tomorrow, I believe, at Coloma Community Center, a boo bash at Bell Coolidge on October 20th, we have our annual Meadow Boo event at Pinnell Community Center on the 26th and a haunted house at Oak Park on the 27th. But there are several more events, so please go visit our Facebook page um, to check out those events and RSVP there. All of those are free. You heard about the wonderful events that our aquatics team is offering. We hope to see you at our floating pumpkin patches, either the 21st or the 28th. We're doing a spooktacular movie night on the 27th at North Natomas Community Center. And, of course, doggy dip days, which hoping to bring one of my dogs there. Um, shifting gears to our park ranger team, a quick update on our incident management team and the efforts uh, the rangers are supporting. They've had, they currently have um, had either 59 cases that are closed or actively being worked by the rapid response team um, to support the efforts across the city. And just recently, we're able to successfully relocate three people um, to temporary housing. Just fantastic efforts on behalf of our team. For our Park Planning and Development Services team, a quick update on our Mama Marks splash pad renovation project. It was recently approved by council to purchase the equipment, which has been done. We are now working on the final permitting and plans to publicly bid the construction portion of the project in November um, and should still be on track to have the project completed um, in time for summer of 2024. Also, a quick update on the Harry Renfrey field renovation at Del Paso Park. The environmental report is open for public comment, and that actually closes tomorrow, October 6th. Um, that can be found at cityofsacramento.org under Community Development Planning and Environmental Impact Reports. Um, I am having Ray, as we speak, send you a link so you can share that out um, and participate if you're interested. 
Next steps will be to respond to the environmental um, impact report comments, and then we'll modify any construction plans to incorporate any of the mitigation requirements as part of that. We plan to bid the Renfrew project as early as 2024 with construction um, beginning in the spring, but there, of course, are several factors that may come into play to push that project out further. We will continue to keep you updated. There was a public meeting held last night. Um, our chair participated, went live, and did a fantastic job uh, supporting those efforts at, for the 21st Avenue Parkway. Staff will plan uh, to revise our plans based on any of the feedback that was received, and we are planning, we actually have it on the agenda, to bring that plan back to this commission at next month's meeting in November. So looking forward to that. We also just completed a project at Susan B. Anthony Park that was in partnership with Sacramento City Unified School District where we converted two tennis courts to a futsal and basketball court. We have a ribbon cutting tentatively scheduled for Monday, October 16th, and we'll keep the commission apprised of the details on that event. Our park maintenance team has a lot happening in the north area. Um, they are also doing additional tennis and basketball court resurfacing projects this month of October. We have several happening in districts one, three, and eight. That includes Orchard Park tennis courts, Westlake tennis and basketball courts, North Lake Park basketball courts, North Natomas tennis courts, uh, California Lilac basketball courts, and North Laguna tennis courts in the south area. All of the tennis court resurfacing projects will include pickleball overlays. Um, and I believe this information is posted on our social media to inform the public of any potential closures. Um, District 4 um, is planning, a we are currently planning a resur resurfacing project at the Southside Park Tennis Court, so we'll keep you updated on the progress of that. Um, and our Witter Ranch Spray Park is undergoing repairs. Um, fortunately, we're cooling off, but I'd expect to have that completed and reopened um, in summer of 24. We're also looking forward, I know our commissioner um, had to leave us, but looking forward to support supporting District 1. Um, this Saturday, who will be hosting a volunteer event to replant um, 250 new shrubs and ground cover, um, I believe, at Regency Park. Is that correct? Okay. And then Redwood Park's field lighting is now operational. In the south area, um, Reichmuth's field lighting is now operational as well. Um, park maintenance in coordination with facilities installed new light bulbs recently there. At McKinley Park, our new arborist, Jody, has been in discussion with the East Sac Neighborhood Association to coordinate a tree fall planting that we will keep you updated on. Um, and we are having some electrical issues at both East Portal and Bertha Hinchel Parks um, that are affecting irrigation. We are working diligently um, to address those issues and we'll hopefully have an update for the public soon. And then lastly, we continue to have several rose garden events, uh, pruning events, October 11th. We have one 5 to 7 p.m. That's a Wednesday evening. And then we have one on Saturday, October 21st from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. And look forward to seeing you all there. Thank you. Questions. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? Commissioner Robbins. 
Yeah, we had uh, Celebrate Natomas come back to Natomas. Thank you, park staff, for being out there, having fun with us, uh, especially Samantha Vu, who rolled up her sleeves and made this bring back this event. That was a very big thing. It was awesome, and even poured on the Mother Nature and rain around 2 o'clock, but we still had fun, sung, dance, had a food truck, everything. Um, if you missed out on that, next Thursday, we have Street Eats at Orchard Park. It will be just a small bite-sized portion of Celebrate Natomas at Orchard Park. Then we have the Harvest Festival at Nino's Park for, uh, presented by the Greenhouse. Then we'll have Freaky Friday at the South Thomas Community Center October 27th, which I think will start building to be a little bigger than what it is right now. But details to come soon. Thank you guys, thank you park staff again, and uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit drier coming up. Thank you so much. Commissioner King? Uh, I'm just going to plug Chorley Park's third annual Trunk or Treat. Um, it's a completely volunteer-inspired uh, event. Um, we're going to have a theme this year. It's at the movies, so hopefully all the cars that will be there will be themed on movies. Um, so hopefully I'm going to do some sort of like witchy movie. I haven't decided yet, but it's going to be really fun. It's on October 29th at 6 p.m., and um, completely free event. There's going to be um, a movie playing, free candy, uh, games, that kind of thing. So hopefully a lot of people will come out. Well, thank you. In a District 6, our um, now annual Spooktacular, fourth Friday of the month. Um, it's a really big, fun event filled with food trucks and um, just uh, so many things you can't even imagine. I think they had... Um, I want to say 1,500, but is it 15,000 people last year? Does anybody know how many thousands of people were at Tahoe Park last year? It was multiple thousands, that much I know. Um, so come on down. It's a really good time. And I wanted to um, elaborate a little bit on the meeting that we had last night for uh, Colonial Village, Colonial Heights, Talak Village, Tahoe Park South, and Colonial Manor. Um, we had so many people from the community come out and give their views on, on the park and amenities they would like to see in a space that they use as a park right now um, that would have some renovation. And so I wanted to share with this group of people um, that the, one of the uh, pieces of feedback I received that I think is very valuable for us all to understand is people telling me, my neighbor told me about this, I didn't even hear about it, or how could I hear about this, or why didn't I hear about this? And the people, those people um, do not have social media, and they were, uh, older adults and they did not receive the communications that I sent out on Facebook or Instagram because they don't have Facebook and Instagram. So I, want, um, I know we had some of the uh, Colonial Village Neighborhood Association folks do uh, flyering door to door, but there's just no way we could do that for six neighborhoods. Um, and we can't put that onus on the community members. So just thinking or brainstorming, how can we reach multiple people who aren't following their um, city council member? Because Vice Mayor Garrett had put it out on his newsletter, he put it out on his socials, and uh, we put it out to all the different neighborhood associations and asked them to share it with social graphics. So just food for thought, how are we reaching that population and making sure that they're included and that they don't feel intentionally excluded? Um, because I wanted to, I wish I had a better answer for how come I didn't hear about it. Um, and I feel a responsibility to have that connection with my communities. There's a lot of communities at one time. Um, so it's a personal challenge I'm taking on myself is to think about it. So maybe we can all come up with some ideas as to how do we reach them. And that's all I have for tonight. This would conclude today's agenda. Thank you everyone for your participation. This meeting is adjourned. Thank you.